All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing and Marty Griffin, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of our week in sports. How you doing, buddy? What's up? How you doing? Not bad. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> a little premature on the gun right there, sorry. Yeah, Story of my a, life. Yeah, I'm sure that happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> all in all, uh, you know, been a been an interesting week in sports as some of the upsets continue. Some uh, some exciting hockey, some exciting hockey series, like I say. Not so exciting in the NBA. Everything just kind of fall into suit in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, well, first of all, the dream is alive for me still. My dream is alive. We'll get to that in a little bit. My fellow listeners know Bastard. that I'm going for the Boston sweep this year. We first had the Red Sox win the World Series, then the Patriots win the Super Bowl, and we're going for the Bruins and the Celtics to get the clean Boston sweep this year, something that's never been done before. So that's what I'm hopeful for, and it's still alive as of today, which is uh, Monday, April 22nd. Uh, tomorrow, though, we have Game 7, Toronto Maple Leafs at the Boston Bruins, so hopefully it continues. Yeah, man. Can't wait. We're going to drop the big screen down at work tomorrow night. Try to get some people in for the Bruins. Not fun to watch. Yeah, but... It's not I, fun to watch. I think that'll be cool. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's cool, but it, it's not fun to watch. Watching these games is like having mini heart attacks. And it, it's just <laughs> okay, so, so it's not going to be fun for you. So yeah. stressful when you're yep. watching your own team. It's, it's, that's very I true. mean, you know this feeling. It's oh, just yeah. like... Absolutely. And it's different watching the hockey. And the hockey has been so... The contrast of the intensity of the hockey playoffs so far versus the NBA playoffs. And granted, the NBA playoffs are a step up from the regular season, but the step up in the NHL is far insane. Different. Far different. It's a different game altogether. And, and then another, there are different rules. Like it's. And then another argument I have is so. I mean, when are we getting into hockey? What is so set the table for us? What is our plan for tonight? Well, let's check in with Nesto first. Let's hear. Let's hear. Let's hear <laughs> well, first, first, before we get into anything, it's uh, oh, we epi- gotta do our episode ep- numbers. Come on, episode twenty-four. So, uh, all right, Johnny, you've you've had this set for weeks now. Why don't you kick us off? Okay, uh, number twenty-four this week for me is Ricky Henderson. Run, Ricky, run! <clears throat> Major League Baseball player from nineteen seventy-nine to two thousand and three. Played for nine teams, most notably the Oakland A's, um, New York Yankees, and Toronto Blue Jays. He is known as the Man of Steel and also the best leadoff hitter and base runner in the history of Major League Baseball. He holds the record for most stolen bases, uh, most uh, MLB runs scored, most unintentional walks, and Ricky also has the record for most leadoff home runs. He is a 10-time All-Star. He was a 2009 Hall of Fame. He got into the Hall of Fame in 2009. Uh, on the first ballot, he received 95% of the vote. Um, career stats are 279 batting average, 3,055 hits, 297 home runs, 1,115 RBI. Here's the big one, 1,406 stolen bases. Crazy. Uh, that's the record, and I think the next closest is in the 900s. I think it's maybe Lou Brock. Uh, 2,295 runs scored. Again, that's a record. 81 leadoff home runs. That's the record. 130 stolen bases in a single season. Also a record. That was set in 1982. He's won two World Series championships in 1989 with the Oakland A's. 
And then again in 1993 with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was the American League MVP in 1990. Uh, ALCS MVP in 1989. Won a gold glove in 1981. Three-time Silver Slugger. 12-time AL Stolen Bases leader. And of course, Oakland A's have his number 24 retired. And the Oakland A's field is named Ricky Henderson Field. And of course, um, you've probably heard some of the stories about Ricky Henderson. He's known as um, one who refers to himself in the third person. He's kind of uh, the modern-day Yogi Berra, if you will. Uh, A few stories about Ricky Henderson over the years. So there was one when he was with the Padres, and he was uh, getting on the bus. They were getting on the bus to go on a road trip. And I think some of the players, uh, Tony Gwynn and some of the other guys, were like, "Uh, Ricky, you can pick out wherever you want to sit on the bus because you have tenure. And he said, Ricky don't have tenure. Ricky had 15 year. <laughs> so those are just a few things. Uh, that's one one item from uh, the Ricky Henderson catalog. I'm sure you know many other stories. Um, there's a lot of good ones. There's one where in 2000 he was with, I think, Seattle, and he was playing with John Olerud, who, if you remember, he wore a helmet when he was in the field at first base because he had the concussion syndromes. And yeah. at spring training, he says, he says, what's your name? He says, oh, John Olerud. He said, and he saw that he wears a helmet in the field, and he said, oh, yeah, I used to play with a guy who wore a helmet. And he's right, he did. Yeah. Seven years later, he played with John Olerud in Toronto. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Ricky Henderson. That's my 24. There you go. Great. All right. Uh, throw it over to Marty. Uh, one of the most powerful uh, running backs in the NFL in the last 10 years. Uh, just a power runner, tackle breaker, just uh, known by the name of Beast Mode. The man who tried to light a joint off the L.A. Coliseum torch. <laughs> just, you know, a skittle, ju- you know, skittle snacking sideline extraordinaire, Marshawn Lynch. Uh, probably one of the best characters in football in the last, last you know, seven, eight years. Um, started out, he, uh, University of California, Berkeley guy, drafted by the Bills in 2007, played a few years for them, most notably known for playing for the Seattle Seahawks 2010 to 2015, winning the Super Bowl in 2014 uh, with the Seahawks, who destroyed absolutely shit on the Denver Broncos. I believe that game was 43-8, to if I'm thinking off the top of my head correctly. Um, five-time Pro Bowl, uh, first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, uh, two-time NFL rushing touchdowns leader. Uh, still scratching our heads why he didn't get the ball on the goal line. Johnny is still celebrating he didn't get the ball on the goal, well, goal line. Looking back further on that, he was stuffed a few times on third and one in that game, yeah. so I think that that's what had... An influence on. I don't think you call a passing play right there, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was on second down too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, a little, little, little interesting. But anyway, uh, you know, I tried to call him and, and talk to him. That we're going to show him on the show. Uh, we're going to talk to him about about him on the show. He had no comment, just like he always does against the media. But you know, not much to say here. The guy was awesome. Probably one of the coolest uh, runaway breaks in playoffs against the Saints a few years ago when he just broke like nine tackles. Did his patented dive into the end zone. Um, definitely be missed. I, he retired 2017 to be a reinstated for a failed year uh, with the Oakland Raiders. I don't see him playing in the near future. I think he's done this time around. But still a fun, fun career. Fun, fun man to watch every Sunday. Marshawn Lynch. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with 
Uh, he wore number 24 from 1986 to 1992 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, and, of course, Ooh. went to number 25 with the San Francisco Giants uh, from 1993 to 2007. But, of course, I'm going with Barry Bonds. Uh, as of number 24, though, uh, he won two National League MVP awards, two Golden Gloves, two Silver Sluggers, and uh, stole 251 bases and had 176 home runs. <clears throat> that was just to start his career. On the career as a whole, Barry Bonds had seven NL MVPs, eight Golden Gloves, 12 Silver Sluggers, 14-time All-Star. He led MLB in uh, on-base plus slugging six times and placed uh, in, in the top five in 12 of 17 of his qualifying seasons. Held on to the longest single-pierced ear look than any other pro player. <laughs> <laughs> Holds records for uh, career home runs, 762. Obviously the famous uh, single-season home run record of 73. And most career walks as well. <clears throat> he stole 514 bases, becoming the only player uh, plus 500 in home runs and stolen bases. Uh, no other player even has 400 in both categories. He has a 162.8 wins above replacement, uh, and that's second only behind Babe Ruth. Now, John, if we could take a quick pause here. My understanding of wins above replacement is basically your value to your team. Absolutely, yeah, and it takes the defense of defense and of metrics into account as well. So if you're a good defender, you know that's a plus for you. If you're a good base runner, it takes everything into account on a baseball field that happens. Um, so yeah, and you know it's above what the average you know replacement player would provide on a field. Right. So. Mike Trout is these days war guy. In uh, 9,847 at-bats, he had 2,935 hits, batting average of 298, scored 2,227 runs, 1,996 RBIs. Uh, in his 10 years of Hall of Fame eligibility, which started in 2013, uh, he received his highest vote total just this year, getting 59 uh, 0.1%. He's got three years left on uh, on that eligibility. Um, to get to 75%. Yeah. He better get there. And it, well, the committee better grow the fuck up with all this shit, I, in my I, mind. I think they're going to. I think we've been taught, we've taught, we've had this discussion a few times, but. They let it happen. They needed it to happen. I mean, after this track, they needed, they needed this game to be popular. They needed the juice balls. They needed the home run races. I mean, as much as you say, you know, him, McGuire, and Sosa hurt the league and what they were doing those years. Paul Merritt, like all those guys, they helped rebuild Major League Baseball and the fan base again. Now oh, we can go. We can go forever. Yeah, I mean, topic, my dad. Sure. My dad. We never went to ball games really, and my dad took me to uh, two Chicago Cubs games when they played the Pirates, uh, so we could see Sammy Sosa. Yeah, uh, wonderful memories for yeah. me. I just, I mean, the Sosa McGuire race that 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 year was probably the most baseball I ever watched in my life in a single season. I mean, I'm a guy who likes to watch the Red Sox when they play when I have time to watch a whole game. And I definitely watch every playoff game, but I'm not one to try to watch a lot of games during the regular season. It's just a long season, as we know. But 
I just remember that year just trying to catch every game I could between with the Cardinals and the Cubs. And then at that point still watching the Astros all the time. And they were breaking into their bats towards the end of the season on oh, on the channels. Yeah. On, you know, yeah. if you're live channels, live cut-ins to see the at-bats. Exactly. He's going to win. And then McGuire obviously broke, broke ahead at the end. But, yeah, it was something. And, like, all I'm saying is that the beat reporters let... They, they turned a blind eye, and now all of a sudden, when it comes to their Hall of Fame voting, they're all holier than now. And, you know, what, are we just going to skip an era of baseball? Like, pretend it didn't happen? There's been all different things in baseball. There's been the amphetamines and the greenies in the 70s and early 80s. It, <clears throat> there's been different ball types, you know, the juiced balls, and the, the mound has been different. And, you know, you have to account for each era of baseball. You can't just skip an era, and that's what I feel like they're trying to do here. Right. And you don't know everyone. That's the other thing. You don't know everyone. Just because someone, like Ken Griffey, just because it doesn't seem like he did it. Like, um, and then there's ba- Baggi- uh, Bagwell and, yeah, Bagwell. Bizier. Like, Bagwell. Bizier Bagwell. didn't look like But Bagwell looks like he did it, yeah. doesn't he? Well, but he never, he, he never, I mean, you he know, never showed. We'll look back to the Killer B era with those guys. Berkman. But Bizier, Bagwell, Bagwell looks like a steroid guy. Well, yeah. So let's just so yeah. go to him. So Bagwell that, yeah. looks like a steroid guy. But he got in the Hall of Fame because he never had any... Suspicion, but he right. easily could have been. Easily could have been. I think probably during that era, like 65% of the league were, especially if they're in a power-hitting position. So all I'm saying is that, yes, so let's not ignore some of the players who were caught and just try to pretend like they didn't exist. Hmm. For sure. Well, we'll get into baseball a little bit more a little bit later. Um Carolina just took a 4-2 lead over Washington uh, off a tip from Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, showing up in Game 6. Um, huge, huge goal. Although, uh, you know what they say, the two-goal lead is the worst lead in hockey, uh, as, especially against uh, a team as tenacious and talented as the Washington Capitals. A little controversial, though, because uh, the Capitals had seemingly uh, tied it up at 3-all uh, off of uh, an Ovechkin uh, sort of bum rush uh, at a Backstrom pass that had gotten caught in Mrazic's pads, and uh, they they called it off for uh, goalie interference. So uh, pretty. There he is right there. Three stats are unbelievable. So they're showing Justin Williams's statistics when facing elimination, and it's incredible. So Justin Williams has been in 23 games facing elimination he has 15 goals and 12 assists for a total of 27 points now including tonight's goal in 23 games facing elimination for him in the playoffs what a great move for carolina bringing that guy in and slapping the c on him and and letting letting him lead this team you know out of out of the basement of the conference you know they were the laughing one of the laughing stocks of the league last year and um, they've really turned turned things around, and man, they are fired up about hockey in Carolina. That team just had a lot of fun this year. Those post game celebrations and stuff they carried up into, but they stopped during the playoffs, of course, because it's time to focus and rally to win. Yeah. All right, so uh, so that gets into my. I guess we can get that into my argument of of hockey, and so seeing all these upsets where we see Tampa Bay, the overall number one seed, and Calgary. Um, potentially the Bruins, the third best team, um, along with you know the Predators too. The Predators, the Central um, winner. That's three division winners that could go out by tonight. So that's 
to me, what the hell does a regu- regular season mean? Because you, and now you look at the teams that have been winning their first-round games. Uh, these are teams that have just kind of snuck in to the playoffs at the end. Like uh, yeah, that tanks that tanks your playoff format idea though, because both both the one seeds have lost to the to the eight seed. Right, right. Right, but this so this devalues the regular season, is what I'm saying. But I, it, they would still the one seed would still play the eight seed. That's happening. Yo, I know, but I mean, you to agree in a regular season. I'm just saying. I mean, so you will follow the regular season. You have well, such a good team, and then they can just get bounced. I guess, and then you have all the trophy winners getting bounced as well. But I guess you could say the regular season is the fight for those eight and seven seeds to get in to be the upset guys to get in. I mean, to make it in and be be relevant. You could. I mean, yeah. just, such it just makes a point for why watch the regular season. Nothing matters until the playoffs. Because people are junkies like all three of us sitting here right now when it comes to sports. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we need it. <laughs> it would be the equivalent of the the Warriors and the Bucks losing the right now, the being out of the playoffs in the first round right now. All right, how about this? What if what if there is um, like a three game series like play in kind of game thing? Would that add, add more value to getting those one seeds? I don't understand what you're saying. So you want to add more value to regular the, season the seeding. Reg, regular season seeding, right? So Oh, this goes back to what the seeding argument? No, yeah. I'm just saying so, a broad so statement. If, All if I'm saying have, is a broad statement that the regular season has been rendered kind of not that important. If you have, you know, those wild cards be a play-in kind of situation that would add more miles to them, kind of penalize them for barely getting in and also uh, would reward the the higher seeded teams. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad or good. I'm, I've been loving the hockey. It's tremendous. The end yeah. of the first round of hockey has been tremendous. It's been so much more enjoyable than the NBA first round of playoffs have been. Overall, absolutely. All yeah. my argument is just a broad argument that, well, the regular season really doesn't mean much, you know. And then the other fact is that all the award winners are gone. Um, the NHL itself can't be loving this scenario where all the... It's almost a, kind of a black eye on the NBA in my mind as well because you have all these guys like Chalk you know City. being three head three headed monsters Chalk and building City. yeah exactly and the talent level is you know the cream of the crop is only within the first four seeds of each side you know the discrepancy upsets eight, aren't, don't happen they don't happen they don't happen you know we thought maybe we tried we, to make them happen we tried we wanted to see them you know but we'll get into that a little bit too but it's yeah. just showing I just think the talent level and how. I mean, in the playoffs, in hockey, like you said, it's just a different scenario. It's who wants it more in hockey, right there. Where, yeah, you can get a line that's working really good together, and a second or third line, and just really makes your team that much better overall. You see, the Blue Jackets have done, you know, what they did in their series. Like they just made the right moves at the right time towards the end of the season, and wow, did they fucking really shock the world right there. But you're just not going to get that in basketball, I don't think, anytime soon. All right. Well, speaking of basketball, let's just get right into it. Uh, if you guys want to yes. break break down round one so far. I was going to just throw out one feel-good story I read today and just wanted to shout out to um, Matt Stafford's wife, you know, who was battling that brain tumor who went into major surgery. Uh, Kelly Stafford, she got released yesterday and won that battle, and, that, and she is going home to recover with her family. So I just thought that was a good read um, and a good feel-good story for NFL right there. So congratulations to the Stafford family. Yeah, yeah, T's and P's. Uh, so jumping into basketball. 
How about them Celtics? Are, Jordan, we, are I you, beat you in the face a little bit. Are you guys wearing your green underwear now? Are you guys ready for the green Celtics to take over the world? I'm wearing my Kelly green. I'm wearing the socks you got me for Christmas tomorrow and my, my Boston Celtics hat, so I'm all in. I, but I, you know, I want them to win this series. I mean, I, I want them to win this next series, but I just don't think it's going to happen. You don't think they're going to beat the Bucks? I don't think they're going to okay, beat the so Bucks. Okay, so speaking of that next series, um, there's been a lot of people wondering what the odds are for that series. And I found them. Okay, so the Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks are minus two hundred and fifty to win the series, yeah. and the Celtics are plus two hundred. So the Bucks are pretty significant favorites. Here. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, they were saying on one show this morning. I forget which one it was, but they were saying that for the Celtics to win the series, they have to win one of the first two games at Milwaukee because. If they don't, and they're down two nothing, then they're going to have to win four of the next five to win the series, and that's not going to happen against this team. Happening with that team. And we saw this series: the Bucks and Celtics play in the first round last year. The Celtics had home court advantage, and the home team won every single game in that series. Right. So if home court means anything, which it does mean more in the NBA, then I mean I'm rooting for the Pistons maybe to take one tonight, which they're up by six right now in the third. I just don't see that's happening. They got to hold on. They got to hold on to that. But then that's the other thing of then you get rested. That's why I was like, I, I don't know if I want the Celtics to win yesterday and sweep the Pacers because they're going to have at least a week off before they play the Bucks. And is that going to be good for them? Are they going to be I rusty? Think, I think that sweep was good for them. I think they needed to just because they didn't really like we talked about this all regular season long. They never put the foot on any team's throat and just won right and just beat the shit out of them. That they always escaped by. They never seemed like they were just fully gelling. That they were just really having to fight from start to finish just to win a game against a affordable opponent. I'm not talking about just like, you know, a really bad team. But mm-hmm. anybody who could still stand toe-to-toe with them. And we obviously saw in the Pacers series that we have a larger talent pool on the Celtics side. How about that, that new lineup? What are we? What are they I like the new lineup. What, what's the lineup called? That? There's a nickname for it out there. And I, what is it? Oh, I can't. I, I'm not, I don't Anyways, know. all right. So let's, the lineup is Kyrie. Um, obviously, at the point, it's Jalen Brown, it's Jason Tatum, it's Gordon Hayward, and it's Al Horford. That's yeah. the lineup that's finishing the games in the fourth quarter for the Celtics, and they've been incredible. Gordon yeah. Hayward, oh my God, yesterday right. when the game was in the doubt there at the yeah. end, and they were they Pacers kept hitting those threes, mm-hmm. and they were refusing to quit. Gordon Hayward, he brought you to the through the lane, dunking the ball, hitting outside shots, hitting threes in the corner, hitting threes from straight away. Gordon Hayward. We didn't see that energy all year long. You no. know, it just seemed like that kid who was still afraid to go 100% and land wrong or get caught out of somebody's feet. You know, I know that sits in your head for a while. And hats off to, to Brown as well. He got his flow this We're going to go through series. each one of them. Yeah, yeah Jalen Brown missed only one shot in the game three. Right. was hitting everything. I think for them to win against the Bucks. That formula's got to kind of stick with that lineup. I think Kyrie's got to be that 15-assist guy. It means he's moving the ball around. He's got to be in double digits and scoring. My concern is the Giannis and Brooke Lopez and the Middleton when we're out, when they're when they're in the game for the Bucks. How are the Celtics going to cover cover that and be their best? Are they going to have? We got to get in the half court sets. Are they going to put we, Semi in the game? Because I know they called Semi their I Giannis he, sl- stopper, slow down guy last year in the playoffs, um, and I, I don't know that they're going to want to use him at all. Um, is it going to be Baines and Horford? Baines, How are they going to cover this Brook Lopez three point situation? I think Ojale can get in there. I think you really just got to play some gritty old school style East 
East Coast basketball, playoff basketball, and get up under this guy. When he goes to the basket, you got to foul him hard. Let your bench guys get in some early foul trouble. Try to say Horford and Baines. But they're shorter now. Without without Smart, they're down eight. I know. They're we, down we to knew. eight. They're down to eight. We knew we'd get by without Smart against in the Pacers series. But this the is rotation where we, is This eight. is where we need Smart. I know. You and get in the foul trouble. That could be a problem. It could. But you know, let let some of those bench guys get to that to that point first. You saw that happen with the Nets. Um, with Allen getting in foul trouble early, and that's where Sixers started going at him using Ben Simmons. They found Ben Simmons' game by letting him just, which was stupid because the Nets were getting off topic, but letting the Nets get Simmons ahead of steam and get in the lane and get Allen and those guys in foul trouble, and it was just a wide-open show for the Sixers in the last three games. So that's that's the, what you got to watch with the Bucks. So the Celtics need to get back against the Bucks. They need, need to, to get, get back. back. You cannot let and Giannis you... run. You can't let him run because that's what LeBron always did against the Celtics. Right. He, it would be a freight train running down the court. Right. And and Giannis travels. He travels like no no other. He he's, does that Euro step. He's the new and he's guy who gets away with everything. Right. I'm. You know what I'm going to do? And do this if you're a Celtics fan. Send a tweet at the Celtics, at the NBA, and say, please don't let Giannis travel on every possession. Right. You know, make them aware that he does it. I'm sure that Danny Ainge and the Celtics will do that as well. Yeah. But that if dribble, the fans that, can do it too. That dribble spin move from the free throw line is easily four, sometimes five steps. From the three-point line. From <laughs> yeah. the three-point line. Yeah. That, well, I'm talking about the spin move. Yeah, but he, yeah. he loves to fucking take three steps from the three-point line. It's unbelievable, um, this guy. I think you just got to make an effort to offensively rebound. You can't be a one and done shooting offensive team. You gotta slow down half court set. You know, get your guys set up in the paint. Um, Horford's gotta watch himself this series. He can't be that guy who wants to step out on the high pick, rotate back behind the three point line and settle for that three point shot. It's it's he's gotta get down on the block and see if he can get some of those guys in foul trouble as well. And he's not gonna do that by playing up top. Um, and I think that's where Hayward in that outward rotation with Tatum and him flipping on that on that wing right there because he'll roll and Kyrie get in an isolated position down the corner which they like sometimes mm-hmm. when they do that back screen and get Tatum back over that's been working for them you know they've just been doubling up on that one side and letting them do their do their little one on one magic over there but you just got to be offside rebounding and be ready right there if they try to get in a run and gun game with this team they're not going to win. So have the Celtics flipped the switch? It seems like they have, right? They've tried. I just, they, they look like they're all playing for one another now. Well, the only way we're going to know if they flip the switch is when they get first that first loss and see how things adversity. go from there. Okay. How they respond to right. adversity. So I'll respond to that because I haven't seen much of the series at all. I certainly haven't been paying attention. Hockey's been far too exciting for me to put any uh, sort of energy into um, this other tournament. However, I did catch about 25 minutes of, I believe it was Game 3. And Friday night. Yeah, I was at the restaurant and we had it on. So just kind of no sound, not even really watching the game, but every time I look up, they looked like they were having fun. Right. They like right. looked like they were there for each other. You know, they lots of, lots of talking and... Communicating. Yeah. Absolutely. And... and Sort of just just the the two second eye test. You could see that they were gelling as a team and working together and on the same page. I hope that's the case. But here's where I'm I'm still pissed off with this team is that that talent level and that ability was there. They could have easily been the number two seed as the Raptors. You could have drawn the Magic, win that series, and get the Sixers, who we do well with in a series and get that. But, but eventually they would have the had Bucks. to... But they, they, eventually. But it's it the mean, same old argument when the Tampa Bay thing for the Bruins. Right. Like, 
you would have had to face the Bucks eventually, and the Bucks finished with 60 wins. I mean, to add, expect the no, Celtics not, not, to finish with 61 wins, I mean, that's... No, no, I'm saying we could have been that two seed. Thing. We could have been where the Raptors were easily. We're, I think we're better but than aren't the Raptors. Aren't the Raptors, but the Raptors are better against the Celtics, I think, than the Bucks are. I think the Celtics match up better against the Bucks. Do you know what I mean? They, oh, yeah. Well, I agree the Celtics have no, they almost, They've never win in Toronto. Yeah. Never. No. It's been years since they've played well up there. I just feel like they just chalk it up as a loss all the time. I don't I know what do. the hell the hell they have over that. But, but with the just, Bucks, maybe they have I some kind of mental edge. I just two possible series to roll into that much more confidence against the Bucks. I just... You know, I like I said, it's just all about adversity when they can de- deal with maybe How they a, respond. A, that first loss. Are they going to respond and fight hard the second game or the first game, whatever the case may be? Um, this can't be a team that gets down in the series. they get, they got to jump out, in my mind. I don't see this team fighting back from a, a, a one and two, you know, record and, and coming back and winning that series in seven games. Um, but and, and, winning, and winning a game who seven knows? at I mean, Milwaukee. I don't remember. I don't remember a recent year, Johnny, that this team just confused me so fucking much when it comes to their identity. Well, they disappointed. Want you know? It's just you know, we th- we think of it as Kyrie's ego. We think of it as Hayward's like inability to want to like go 100 percent because of his injury. Uh, Jalen is not being assertive. You know, if you told me at the beginning of the year I was going to question Brad Stevens and his ability to coach, I would have mm-hmm. told you you were wrong. There was just so many factors that just kind of presented itself this year that was so frustrating. Uh, hats off to Carolina. Wow. Yeah, pulling up the upset. We'll get to them later. Stars tied it up. Stars! Sorry, that's very loud, Johnny. <laughs> so, yeah, I, told, I 100% agree with you that once adversity hits for the Celtics, they need to be able to respond and not start pointing the finger at one another or, you know, kind of just going into a shell. Right. They have to be able to respond. And I think they're going to. I think that... This is the new playoff Kyrie that he's talked about, and they flipped the switch. And I expect good things against the Bucks, but I do worry about having to play a Game Seven at Milwaukee. That arena is pretty crazy, as we saw in the playoffs last year. This this franchise wants this. This is their this they is do. their year. They have to do it this year. They do, and I so don't, I don't see it's got to be Celtics and six, right? It has to be. They're not winning be. a Game They're not Seven. They're going back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee. winning. They, I mean, they in my mind they got to win Game One. But Kyrie won a Game win. Seven in Golden State. Right? Yeah, he did well. LeBron won that. <laughs> uh, Kyrie hit the shot. I know, I know. Kyrie hit the shot. I know, but he, LeBron... LeBron doesn't have it if Kyrie doesn't hit that shot. That's true. <laughs> well, he doesn't have that shot if LeBron didn't carry most of the way. We can have those semantic arguments all day long as yeah. well. But, uh, you know... All right, so let's uh, move on to you want to talk some s- of the other series here. Let's let's go to the series where, that we got. So the Bucks, Bucks Pistons. Do we want to talk about that? No, like I we mean, said, it's over in three. It, it's, we, over it's over in three, and they're playing tonight. Detroit has a lead at halftime, but uh, likely the Bucks come back and probably sweep them. It's seventy nine, seventy seven. So right let's now. go to the side of that bracket where we look like we royally screwed up and got got influenced by game one upsets. The Nets won game one at the 76ers, but the Sixers have won three in a row, and Sixers I, I are up three to one. David. I, I was on the Nets before I even saw that first game. I just thought they were gelling at the right time and had the right defense, what I thought the right defensive and offensive presence to beat what I thought would be a struggling fucking six, Sixers team. I just This Sixers team is, is so hateable. They're so, I, you see the fart on the bench the other night? Yeah. And did you see Embiid's elbow after game two? And then, and then him and Simmons are laughing, Trump. laughing about Trump it. After the game, basically. And then in game three in in, in in Brooklyn, they are there was a fight and Butler uh, who was it got ejected. Butler and Dudley got ejected. Dudley. Uh, they almost went into the stands fighting. Like this Sixers team is so hateable. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there's a, a video, a viral video that went out where you see this father there oh, with the his father kid. Step in, step in, yeah. Yeah, he steps in, moves his kid. Like, uh, you know, there. It's one thing these guys, uh, you know, on the ice, uh, you know, fighting, and they're right there in the crowd. But there's glass in between you. I, f- I feel like. Yes, emotions are high, and yes, it's a phys- it sh- it should be a physical game, and and you know I think I think if basketball got a little more violent, I would like it a little bit more. But you also got to remember that they are paying customers in the stands right there. Those uh-huh. people are paying your paycheck, and you know when you dive out into them for a ball, that's one thing. That's entertainment. That's what. You but know, that's fun. But having but, a having a fight nearly trampling a, a, a seven kid. year old kid. Uh, that's stupid. I, that was a tough look. And granted, these guys are freaking giants and beasts, and they're lucky that they are because most of them can't fight worth shit. I say maybe like ten percent of an NBA player really knows how to have a fight. This is all part of the Seventy Sixers game, though. This, this, like, they think they're better than everyone. They're punk. At their, they think that everyone I like else it is though because I, I don't like ma- it. Ma- oh no, I don't like it. I mean, as as a fan or, or a fan of them, I like it because they're that much hateable and makes you want to beat them that much more. So, bring it on the next in the next series. MB just wants to be a character. He just wants to be, you know, on TV. He wants those those one liners and those bites, those sound bites. But you know, it's like they step up the sideshow you know Sixers. They're the, the sideshow Sixers. Giannis owns you right now, so step up and prove yourself. You know, and you're gonna have to. Uh, well, he won't have to. Who's coming out of that series? That'll be Toronto and Bucks. I mean, Toronto and uh, 76ers. Toronto will have home court against the Try Sixers. Try to pull that shit against Kawhi. He'll slap you with those fucking huge mitts of his. So the Toronto and the Sixers series should be good. That's the other side, and the other side of the bracket where we got it wrong. Um, I thought the Magic would beat the Raptors after the Magic beat Toronto in Game One, and the Magic had been more than the second or third best team in the NBA since January first, and they had beaten yeah. a lot of good teams. But you know, once the playoffs experience come, comes to play, that's a very young team. Hats it, off to Levine. He had a hell of a year. Um, not excuse me, I get it. Um, um, Aaron. Aaron Gordon? Yeah, no. Yeah. Pukovic? Yeah. Those guys had, they pulled it together. Uh, Ross. Terrence Ross, yeah. yeah. They had a fucking hell of a team towards the end of this year. They got, they got a lot to build on. And that's off for them for not taking, uh, you know, towards the end of the year for a fucking lottery pick. That they actually wanted to be in the playoffs. They wanted to be relevant. Because they could have easily took that dive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll have Raptors and Sixers, and we'll probably get into that. Probably won't even have started. Second round probably wouldn't, won't even have started next Monday when we do a podcast number 25, point, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, because the NBA, they take such long times in between games. Big All right. They, they need so that's the East. Bucks going to be Bucks, Celtics, 76ers at the Raptors. So we'll talk about that next week. Moving on to the West, we got the Warriors, Clippers. Um, in Game 2, the Clippers came back from a 31-point deficit in the playoffs to beat the Warriors and even the series 1-1. Largest playoff defi- deficit overcome to come back and win a game in the history of the NBA. So the Warriors own 2. They gave up a 3-1 lead, and then they gave up 31 points. That's the magic number for them, how they fell. Okay, but then the Warriors have come back, and they've taken a hold of the series. Clippers didn't win either of their home games, so Warriors are up 3-1. And they'll be looking to close it out Wednesday in Oracle Arena. So the Warriors are likely moving on there. Uh, the other one that's probably going to end tonight is the Rockets the at Jazz. the Jazz. The Jazz had a shot the other night in Game 3. They had Donovan Mitchell wide close. open for a three-pointer, and yeah. he missed it. Um, but I feel like the Rockets, they've just been too much for the Jazz. And the Jazz just, they don't have an answer. Yeah. 
Capella's really stepped up. Uh, Gordon and uh, Tucker. Tucker. Tucker's been been a good, a- solid answer for them. Um, that team's just playing really well. We'll just see if uh, Harden was over fifteen in Game Three. Yeah, and then you see just keep shooting, and he did. He had a cup, clutch three him. at the end. Yeah. Um, he had a bunch of free throws, like 15 free throws in that game. So. He's always going to have the green light. You just got to expect Well, that's that. what they, Paul, Chris Paul said after the game in the interview. He said that coach always says, don't look back on the past. Um, know your talent level and just look forward to the next shot. Yeah. And don't ever let the past stop you yep. from taking the next shot. I mean, if you know that you're a pure scorer, just keep shooting until you find it. I mean, it's, once you make one, it just seems like all you know. It just, you break that whatever you feel. If it's a curse at the time. You, you just finally get going again. It's a shooter's mentality. Uh, All right. So, so let it close out. I think the only one we really gotten wrong. Well, so this is going to lead to our Warriors-Rockets yeah. round two rematch of last year's right. Western Conference Finals. And that is another good. These, so this is going to be good. we got going to have the Celtics Bucks, 76ers, and the Raptors. We're going to have the Rockets and the Warriors. I mean, this is where the NBA playoffs this begin. Where this out. is where it happens. Right. And this is where maybe where the NBA playoffs starts to get me. better than the, <laughs> than the NHL playoffs because the NHL is going to have a bunch of these teams from second-class cities in the in the United States that nobody really knows <laughs> right. about, you know, and the NBA is going to have all their big teams still playing. So this is the one difference. This is the difference I was talking about. So in the other side of the West bracket, we have the Nuggets and Spurs tied 2-2. Two to two. Um, how are you feeling about that series, Marty? Uh, it's been coaching that's worked worked for uh, the Spurs right here. We knew this would be a tough uh, matchup for the Nuggets. Um, they've, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge has, I mean, has been steady. You know, he's going to be a constant steady in this whole game. I think the biggest uh, surprise has been uh, White uh, in the playoffs for the Spurs. This is a kid who was a three-year D two player. Uh, you know, had where's he from? Uh, he is well, he, D2. He ended up going to Colorado for his final year, and he was uh, 29th pick by the Spurs round one. And that just kind of shows you the Spurs and how, how they scout players. They saw some of this kid, he, you know, we all know that Pop loves his role players, and this kid has really kind of found it. That dunk, what, was, what game was that? He just had that two game two, game two, two and not just presence like I am here, like he. Has been a shock. Even uh, the Nuggets have been, you know, players have been talking about this kid like they did not know how to scout him, and he's just kind of shown up in this series. Um, Gay has been good. We all, you know, speaking of dunks, how about the Miles Turner dunk on Gordon Hayward yesterday? (laughs) That was a poster. I thought that was going to be. I thought that was just like what was going to take that game, and the Pacers going to end up winning. It just seemed like it got everybody into it. But. Yeah, DeRozan has been solid against these guys. It's going to go the distance, I think. I, I I think the Nuggets will win it out in Game Seven. Really? Um, yeah, I think that, I think it's kind of finding itself where. But you know, it, it but all we fall. we picked the Spurs. We did pick the Spurs, and we're right where. Well, I guess we're right where we, where we thought we'd be. It's gonna we we knew it was gonna go that way. I just we'll see, we'll see. I just. Uh, I go back to what we said. I'm gonna be impressed with the Nuggets in Game Four because they were down two games to one in the series, and the Game Four there it was kind of a seesaw game, and they were able to pull it out in the end. Right. And I feel like Jamal Murray has been the biggest X factor. Well, the whatever however he goes exactly. is how they go for the game. Right. If he if he struggles 
in the game, they lose. If he can pick it up, he, they they win. And that's why we talked about even going into the series that he had to be the guy to be a consistent shooter for them. We know he's streaky, but he's got to step up and be that outside shooter. It's the only way it's going to spread the floor for Millsap and Jokovic to play their game on the inside. Jokic. 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 I mean, no, Jokovic. Jokic. Um, All right. All right. So you're starting to think the Nuggets are going to win. I do. I. I mean. I. You know me. I mean. I'm. 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 I'm a huge Spurs fan. I'd yeah. love to see Pop pull this out. I mean. I just think a little bit of attrition and depth will kind of get the best. Well, the best of this series. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Just the way I'm seeing how I have how, no how idea. play out. Just I have how no I idea. See it play out. How can you I bet mean, against Pop in a game seven? You know, Aldridge and DeRozan and those guys. Are, I know, man. Don't get I me wrong. I'll be I don't know. I'd be happy if it goes that way because you're going to get a matchup possibly right there if Spurs and Portland. Yeah, you know that would that would be a hell of a series in my mind too. Either way, Nuggets Portland Spurs Portland. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. All right, so let's talk. Do we want to talk about the good or the bad? The good is the Blazers. The bad is the Oklahoma City Thunder. What do you want? Where do you want to start? Let's talk with the bad. Okay, we'll Westbrook. The what the hell is going on with Westbrook? He wants to play hero ball. He's just taking all these crazy crazy shots and trying to to control the tempo and keep it fast paced. You know, he's just not letting the offense take. Any type of identity. He's out of control. He is crazy. And so I saw a tweet from someone. Why? I can't give credit, but the tweet said, uh, Westbrook is Westbrook wants to beat Dame. Westbrook wants to beat Dame. Dame wants to beat Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's gone. And, you know, George, he's been playing through an injury. He's doing the best he can. But Westbrook and his inconsistent shooting, which has been a thing all season long, right. has really come back to bite that team in, in the butt. And McCollum and Lillard, they said in the post-game interview, especially McCollum yesterday, if they went up three three games to one, they hadn't won a game, a playoff game on the road in, what, like 15 games or something? Right. And they said that they were being doubted because they've been swept and their playoff failures have been well-documented over the past few years. Yeah, man. And so they knew that this is kind of their last chance to make things happen for, for them as a group. Otherwise, they might get disbanded, broken up, whatever. Um, so you see Lillard, McCollum, all those guys. Those guys really, basically Lillard and McCollum, just stepping forward and saying, right. "This is our team. Let's make it happen." And then the role guys, Aminu and Harkless, so well. have, have really just been really been like you know Tucker for Houston. Harkless was 15, 10, 15 points, ten rebounds that last game. He yeah. was so solid for that team. And you got just, I mean, the last game alone just shines a light on the attrition that Oklahoma City has gone through. Paul George and Westbrook together were 13 for 42 in shooting on the floor. I mean, that is just atrocious. Yeah. 5 for 21 for Westbrook, 8 for 21 for Paul George. Paul George, in my mind, has got a little bit more excuse on his side. Right, but he's, but, he's settling for the outside shots because he doesn't want to face the contact right. inside in the, in the lane. You know, you can't win when you're under 37% shooting from the floor. It's just not, I mean, that's just numbers right there. And then the Blazers on the other, on the flip side, they're. They're making sure their shots go in. Absolutely. All right, yeah, so, so you think I, that the Blazers closed this out in five in Portland? I think so. I, I think do, too. There's no way you can want to go back to Oklahoma and then possibly go back for a game seven. I mean, as much crap we talk about Westbrook in, in this situation, you don't want to face a guy like that in a game seven, in my mind. Big picture, I think this changes the way people feel about Westbrook. I think that sure. West, Westbrook is a failure in the playoffs. Now the superstar, the where he is on, on that 
right? You know, on the totem pole of NBA superstars, well, he's he's been up there. But if you don't succeed in the playoffs, they, they knock you down a few pegs. And I think he's getting knocked down a few pegs after absolutely. these past few years. When he break when he broke that threesome up of him, Harden, and Durant, and you see the success of Harden and and Durant at this point, and what they're doing with their franchises and teams, to what he's not doing with Oklahoma. If he, they if they bow out of this series right now. Uh, he's going to face a lot of criticism in my mind. I agree. And a lot of people had them making the, East, the Western Conference Finals yeah. against the Warriors. So this is a big letdown for them if they can't pull it out. All right, that's NBA talk. Yeah, man. All right. Skiddly do. Sounds good. So we're going to head into the clip of the week here. And, John, you want to set the scene a little bit? Yeah, well, it's your boy, but yeah, this I, I'm introducing this. It's, it's your, your new boy. My I'm new boy. introducing him to you. You've got a new boyfriend. Thank you. <laughs> He's very cute. He is, Mr. Cole Tucker. Um, so Mr. Cole Tucker was called up this past weekend by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a tall, lanky shortstop. Um, Adam Frazier got hurt, and he was the leadoff man for the Pirates. So Tucker got called up, and he's going to be hopefully up in the big leagues for a while it's that they said it seems like i don't know if he's going to continue to bat lead off um, but in his first at bat he hit a home run um, it's been kind of a wild ride um, he was in the minor leagues for five years he's had dealt with a lot of injuries um, kind of a speed a decent average maybe like a 280 285 hitter mm, light to mid pop maybe like 10 to 15 home runs um, and speed probably maybe 30 to 40 stolen bases so, but he's an exciting player to watch. I mean, he's has he has a lot of personality. He's got personality plus, and I feel like this is exactly what the city of Pittsburgh needs um, from a player. The They're saying um, this is the most excited Pittsburgh has been about a player and felt about a player since the early days of Andrew McCutcheon. Um, so, Ernesto, enjoy. Great, yeah, I can't I can't wait. Uh, and he had a double today. Yeah, he already had a double today. He had, a, he had another double yesterday. So he's hitting. If he keeps hitting, then that's that's a plus. He'll, right. he, he'll stay up. So uh, enjoy our clip of the week. So I knew what was happening, you know. And, like, I hit it and I knew I got it. But that felt amazing. And I was pretty calm rounding first and second. And then I saw Joey and I saw the guys in the dugout and just saw fans, like, visually happy that I did that and I'm here like I just kind of lost I started screaming and just yelling I was like slamming my helmet on the ground I just keep scream I just kept screaming when I got in the dugout I, I just felt possessed man it was so cool uh getting a curtain call like, who the hell gets a curtain call in the major league like that was just so cool man I, I just kind of lost it. it was such a cool moment for me I, I'll never forget that all right, welcome back. Um, you love hearing those kinds of things, just the excitement in his voice. You know, he's a young kid. Uh, he's finally achieved his dream. Uh, his parents were fired up for him, too. Um, you just, you really love that. It's a, it's a feel-good story. Uh, I'm glad there's something happening in PNC Park right now that people can feel good about it. because uh, They have the best record in the major leagues right now. The best winning percentage. Yeah, they're twelve they're, and six. They're, it's okay. They started out that way last year. I kept teasing Nesto that they were going to win and be in the playoffs, and he just kept saying, "No, they're not. No, they're not." And just then, wait. And then, and then <laughs> the biggest mistake was they went and traded for Chris Archer, giving up Meadows and Glassner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So not so much. All right. So let's uh, let's just head right into baseball. 
Alright, so the players of the week were just announced before today's games. The American League, we had Joey Gallo, four home runs, 11 RBI. National League, surprise, surprise. Christian Yelich is on a freaking tear. He had eight home runs and 16 RBIs in the last week. Uh, that gives him 13 on the season. But he would have had 14. Um, but Cody Bellinger, this year's NL MVP, in my opinion. It's crazy. It's out of his head. Did you see? He robbed. So he robbed in the eighth inning Christian Yelich yeah. of a home run, of what would be, would have been his 14th home run. I love that because they're right there right. together. Well, like so, yeah, Bellinger wants it. Yeah. And so he robs Yelich of the home run, and then the next inning he's facing Josh Hader, who's like nastiest Just pitcher in right baseball. Now. And like not against his fastball, against his slider, he hits one out of the park. Yeah. It's the first time anyone has ever hit a home run off Josh Hader's slider. And Slider's, the Hader's look on his face was, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? No one has ever hit that pitch, and you just hit it out of the park. So Bellinger has Kids, been an absolute beast. Right he's uh, he changed his swing. He used to have the hole in his swing. You remember from the uh, 2017 World Series against the Astros, where he just kept swinging and missing. Um, so he changed his swing. It was a little more open on the back end, and he's he's closed the loop and the hole in his swing, and he's found huge success. Um, and the Dodgers have a true now number four cleanup hitter that's doing serious damage. And he's only 23. The talent's always been there. Um, the, so. hitting, the, the hitting on the Dodgers right now is just mind-blowing. All right, so yeah, Jock Peterson at leadoff is yeah. also crushing crushing the ball as well. We got Jock jams happening. Um, another call-up this week, in addition to Cole Tucker, was the Red Sox calling up third baseman, going to be second baseman, Michael Chavis. Um, it'll, he's trying out and learning to play second base because they have a hole there with Pedroia's injury. Uh, Pedroia's injury is likely, they say it's not as bad as originally feared. I'm, I'm sick of hearing that. They've been telling us this since the, since last year last that year. that he'll be back soon. It's not that bad. Pedroia wants to play. The team wants to take it I'm cautiously. Steady. He came back and played three games last year and then was out for the season. And then he, he had all off season and then he started spring training slowly and then he didn't start with the team and and okay. then he comes up and he can't play every other day. And when he plays, sometimes he needs to be a DH, which makes JD Martinez need to go into the field. Uh, it, it, Dustin Pedroia needs to retire. He's not going to because he has three more years left on his contract. Uh, this whole thing is just uh, an exercise in frustration for me because uh, you love Pedroia. It's sad to see him end his career this way and hurt the team because of the roster spots, the money he's making. Um, they need a, this. They can't afford anyone else because they're paying so much money against the sal- the luxury tax and the salary cap. So you think is you're 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 Dave Dombrowski. You're the GM for the Red Sox, Johnny. Why is the value this guy holds for your team right now? Is it just if he's playing, he's selling tickets. Fans want to see him play. It's his swan song. They can't afford anyone else. Yeah, but come They're on. They're up then, against the luxury tax. Then start digging in your farm system and trying to find that golden nugget or something. I don't know. Well, the, so the Michael Chavis, the third baseman slash yeah. first baseman, that's why they're teaching him to play second base. Uh, he did turn a double play early in the game. Uh, the guy has an elite bat skills. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the couple games he played in Tampa. Uh, he hit a game, a double on Saturday to help them win their game, and then he was hitting the ball hard all over the place yesterday. So, who knows if he's going to stay up? Eduardo Nunez is also on the injured list. Floppy Nunez. So who knows? Rock Holt is also on the injured list, and they have no money to go get a second baseman. Um, so, 
But I think Chavis, in order to stay up in the big leagues, he needs to continue to hit and not be a negative in the field. Um, another injury for the Red Sox came down today. Nate Eovaldi has a loose body in his right elbow. In That's just not what this you is hear. he's had two Tommy John surgeries. He had the same surgery last year when he was with Tampa Bay, yeah. uh, and he missed two months. So they're saying that Eovaldi is going to miss at least two months. Um, so. You know, the rotation's not off to a good start. Now they lose a member. Dombrowski says they think they... Once again, it's money-related. They don't want to go get anyone like Dallas Keuchel because uh, it's money-related. He won't admit that to you, but he's saying he thinks they have enough enough depth in the system to make up for the loss, bullshit. which is bullshit, bullshit because Velasquez is not good. Brian Johnson sucks. Brian and they Jackson just, they just don't have anybody no. else. But they're not going to go spend on Dallas Keuchel, so they're going to lie to us, the fans... And say that it's all going to be okay. Not just the fan. You're talking Red Sox fans. You can't shine Red Sox fans. They just know. This, oh, I know. They just know it too well. You can't pull that shit on Red Sox fans. Everyone, we no all way. know the salary cap. Absolutely. We all know the salary cap situation. Absolutely. So you have all these out. So that means there's going to be even more pressure, stress, emphasis on Chris Sale, uh, Porcello, Price. Price has been good. Price, and he just needs to continue being David right. Price. He's been the best. Of the, of the Red Sox starters, um, and Eduardo Rodriguez. It's Sale, Porcello, and Eduardo Rodriguez need to wake up and start pitching like the guys that we know that they can be. They can be. Um, but that said, the Red Sox got off to a horrible start this season. We didn't talk much about them because we were busy talking about the playoffs for the NHL, NBA, the March Madness, the Masters, everything else that was going on. So the Red Sox kind of got a, got a break there, and they didn't catch... Uh, our anger and frustration about how poorly their season started it started six and thirteen. They go into Tampa Bay, who started the season red hot, fourteen and five, and they go down to the trop where it's it's like a dungeon down there. It's a very difficult, tough pl- place to play for any team. Mm-hmm. And they swept the series. They won Friday, Saturday, Sunday's game, and so now the Sox are nine and thirteen. Have won three in a row. Their first series win of the year. Um, things Mookie started to hit. Uh, things are starting to look a little bit better. Uh, bullpen still looks a little shaky, but um, extra day of rest with the postponed game tonight. Doubleheader tomorrow. Yep. So we got a one o'clock, seven o'clock game tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, but you know, so things look a little bit better for the Sox. But I would not say that they're out of the woods. And here we go, just yet. No, they got a long way to go. Okay, they still have problems. Yeah. That bullpen. Now starting rotation depth, second base. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I, I, I just the way that they started this season is unacceptable. Uh, Alex Cora said he refused to turn the page from last season. He didn't want to turn the page. He wanted the players to embrace last season and just carry it over. Uh, I think you hear most managers and coaches in professional sports say when, after the year they won a championship, the next year comes. They say we need to turn the page. Last year's over. We start at zero zero, and we have to prove ourselves all over again. And right. Cora just refused to say to embrace that, and he went the other way completely. The team did the same thing. They had a country club spring training atmosphere where nobody got started early enough on time. They took it easy. They didn't have any split squad games. Uh, to get guys their work that they needed to get their work in. And so they've started the season slow, which we've seen. And the pitchers have started really poorly. Do and we, do it's we, almost it, it was almost too late. But thankfully they had a good weekend. But teams that finish below that are below 500 on May 1st 
since 2000, 159 teams. <clears throat> if you so 100, so only three of 159 teams that have been below 500 on May 1st have made the playoffs. So they need to get to they, 500. Right, and they're sitting. You know, the next 11 days they're sitting at home. You know, you hopefully they can, they can win the majority of those games. The next, and then they go on the road uh, May 2nd. And they have a four-game series against the White Sox, and then another three-game series against the Orioles. So you're hoping at that point, by the time they're done with the Orioles, they are at that 500 point. But this mind. has been an embarrassment to start the year. It really has. Do we even talk about Swihart and his walking papers? That the way they botched that yeah. situation over the that, years. That means- and so they DFA designated him for assignment the day before they announced Pedroia's injury. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, they lose Swihart, and then Pedroia goes on the DL. They've just screwed up so many things, and if everything else in this town wasn't going well, they would catch a lot of heat. I'm sorry. I I just saw that the NHL is having... They're redoing their bracket competition, because everybody's fucked, fucked now. <laughs> it's literally called the Second Chance Bracket Challenge. That's sad. That's real. That's, That's real. real. It, it was, I just, it was saw, just on the TV. I just saw a commercial for it. Jeez. <laughs> it wasn't on the TV. It was on our studio monitor. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Interesting. That's the funniest thing I've ever all seen. All right. So, Red Sox, they deserve all the heat. They deserve all your anger, your frustration. They've not played well. Hopefully, they're turning it around. Hopefully, we'll speak happier about them next time, next week. Maybe they'll have won five of six, six of seven, and we'll be like, all right, they're on our way. Uh, let's just hope that a bad start doesn't cost them at the end. Okay? Okay. All right. So, players of the week. Just want to give you the best hitters from the last week for fantasy. I know you won some fantasy stuff for me. And the best pitchers of the last two weeks. So, for hitters, um, we got Fernando Tatis, my boy. He's got six home runs, four stolen bases. He's batting 291. That kid's a beast. Um, he's batting leadoff now. He's been bumped up to the leadoff spot for the Padres, who are above 500 and playing good baseball. And defensively, he's a wizard. He's like Ozzie Smith out there. He, he's that good. If you hit a ball on the left side of the infield against the Padres, against Tatis and Machado over there, mm-hmm. you're, you're out. Yeah. You're, you're getting swallowed up, and you're getting thrown out. And I, you got to love his hair, too. He's got, like, these these um, these white dreads. Um, he's a cool-looking cat. <laughs> and, of course, he wears... You Jordan. and I respect anybody who can grow hair like yeah, that. And he wears uh, Jordan's number 23. Right. So, you know, for a 20-year-old... He just come. He's come out blazing. He's got that swag. He's got that swag. All right. The other, another one. So more swag from the hitters. Uh, Eddie Rosario is red hot. Joey Gallo, Justin Smoke, uh, catcher JT Realmonto, um, Tim Anderson. You want to talk about the Tim Anderson bat flip story, where he flipped the bat. Brad Keller throws behind yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but I guess there was more to it because Tim Anderson. There's some history there, right? Well, no, not history because Keller's a new a new pitcher uh, in the major leagues. But Tim Anderson said, don't try to come at me with that weak-ass shit N-word to Brad Brad Keller. Yeah. And MLB says that's why they suspended Tim Anderson a game. Okay. And Keller got well, suspended five games. Rightfully so. But there's been a lot of talk about the bat flip, you know, because he, he was real aggressive with his bat flip after the home run. And, you know, MLB wants to let the kids play and embrace the personas and the entertainment factor and the bat flips. So... People were all up in arms, hey. like you say, let the kids play, but then suspend him over a bat flip. Which is it? What do you want? Does that mean the pitchers can play? They can keep pegging batters and they walk well, out? Boy, we, we talked about got this. Chris Archer, who's the Mr. Moonwalk on the mound. Yeah, right. 
But, I mean, we got in this a little bit last week. It's just like it's just getting out of control with, you know, guys throwing 101 mile an hour mm-hmm. fastballs at each other's head. Well, everyone feels differently about it. Some people say respect the game and don't show up, show anyone up. Yep. And that's the way it should be. That's the way baseball always has been. But now the younger generation says, hey, I just hit a major league home run in the show. I'm going to go all out, even if it is a game in Kansas City on April 15th yeah. in the second inning. That means right. nothing. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I don't know. I will say this. I'll, I'll, I'll add this. I definitely respect NL pitchers that throw at batters Good more. point. Yeah, because they're going to bat. So, they know what comes around, goes around, potentially. All right, so that's Tim Anderson, also red hot. He's still batting over 400. He's stealing bases. He's got a little bit of juice in his bat as well, popping home runs. Um, Trevor Story has gotten things going for the Rockies. We talked about Jock Jams, Jock Peterson, batting leadoff for the L.A. Dodgers and their loaded lineup. Javi Baez is starting to hit for the Cubs. Hunter Dozier coming out of nowhere for the Royals, batting cleanup, playing first base. Um, he's been better than Brian Dozier so far. And Marcelo Zuna. Last week, we had Marcelo Zuna play against Christian Yelich. So it was Ozuna's Cardinals against Yelich's Brewers. They were playing each other. And Yelich and Ozuna were going back and back and forth, hitting home runs in the game. And I said to myself, if there were such a thing as a Marlins fan, I would be pretty pissed. But there is yeah. no Marlins fan because they lost Yelich and Ozuna, obviously. Right. And Stanton. But, I mean, these guys were red hot last week. On the pitching side, Justin Verlanders straightened things out for the, him and the Astros, and he's his usual self. Uh, Luis Castillo for the Reds. Uh, Zach Greinke's pitching well for the Diamondbacks. Tyler Glass now, Ernesto's former Pirate boy for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, John Gray for the Rockies pitching well. Old man Cole Hamels. Um, we saw uh, James Paxton, the big maple, shut down the Red Sox. 12 strikeouts last week for the Yankees. Max Free, the young pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, left-hander, a name you should know. Um, he's off to a good start for his major league career. Caleb Smith for the Miami Marlins. And former Cincinnati Red, um, Homer Bailey, who was giving up a lot of home runs, is now pitching for the Royals. Has two oh, good starts whoa. in a row. And he's got a, a new slider, which he's throwing quite a bit. And he's getting good results. So we'll see where that goes. Um, that's my uh, baseball notes. One question, Johnny. With Toronto at 11 and 12, do we see uh, your boy Vlad Jr. come up this week? It's weird. There was a report a couple days ago that said Vlad was going to be called up uh, tomorrow, right. Tuesday. And now they're saying, they were saying, um, what, Saturday, I think they were saying that, no, there needed to be an injury for him to get called up. And on the, I think on the same day, he hit a ball out of the Pawtucket Red Sox Stadium onto um, into the parking lot. Yeah. And Moonshot. Yeah. So, I, we baseball makes it beneficial for teams to keep their stars in the minor leagues is the one, another one of the stupidest things in sports that we see. And that's another reason why you've got to commend the Padres for starting with Tatis at right. the beginning of the Just season. Doing it right up front and, and but the Blue Jays are like, nope, we're going to keep Vlad Jr. down until... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know when the Super 2 date is, um, but... They have some poor soul in the pitching rotation just throwing his arm out right now just to get him up instead. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see him soon because we've heard nothing but that he's a monster. He's going to bat over 300 with 40 home run power. Um, and, he, and he's a big guy too. So. Yeah, well, he, what was it? Between three levels last year, he batted over 375 with 75 RBIs. Yep. 
thinking hands. <laughs> if you heard that noise, yeah, so I the was using watch, my thinking hands. I'm the Vladdy Watch is still Vladdy Watch. We'll see. Maybe next week. All right. All right. And we're going to look forward to uh, hearing your MLB Power 10 uh, to close us out today. So I'm looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, there's a few well. changes. A few changes this week. All right. Um, so we'll head right into round one of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll start with uh, Tampa Bay, swept by Columbus. Was, we didn't well, talk a lot about this last week because it was three games to none. Right, we knew. Right. We, we saw the writing on the wall. Right. We certainly did. Um, Columbus w- won the game, won game four, seven to three. Um, Tampa became the first team in expansion era to lose in the first round after leading the league in points. Uh, so that's since the 60s. Now, this is Columbus's first ever playoff series win. Both Stamkos and Kucherov didn't even have a single point until the, uh, the fourth game. Um, the goal differential was 19-8 to in favor of Columbus. Twelve different players scored for Columbus. Uh, Bob Roski was absolutely outstanding. Uh, he let in three goals uh, in the first period of Game 1. And then he let in five over the next 11 periods. He had a 9-3-2 save percentage and a 201 goals against. I mean, he was he's, as many predicted, if Bob Roski can just put it together, the Columbus Blue Jackets could be unstoppable, especially with Artemi Panarin. Johnny, did, did you happen to check out that video of uh, Panarin laughing in Kucherov's face? I did not. Oh my God, it's so funny. I'll I'll post it to uh, to our Facebook so everybody can check it out there. But he's basically just like, you know, he's they're in the handshake line, and their buddies back in Russia, right. and he is just like giving him so much shit. And Kucherov looks so fucking sad. He almost doesn't even shake his hand, and then Panarin just like forces a hug on him. It's a uh, it's a pretty funny moment if you've ever bested your buddy, uh, <laughs> you've you've totally been there and they're so pissed and upset and you're just fucking loving just it. Just takes a little poke. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and that balloon is popping. <laughs> so is it, is it unheard of? For, I mean, a dozen different players in a four game sweep scored for Columbus. That just seems a little wild for even for me who doesn't really follow a lot of NHL. Yeah, I mean, it just shows that they're that they're getting it done everywhere, and um, it also shows that Tampa Bay wasn't getting it done everywhere as well. I mean, they, yeah. right? And that thing you sent me, basically that tweet out about like it was just like the worst apology ever. Oh yeah, that was sad as hell. Tampa Bay's tweet. Yeah, yeah. we apologize to our fans. We know you don't want to hear excuses. Yeah. We're not going to give you excuses. Thanks for sticking to us, sticking yeah. with us entire year. I'm like, wow, oh. bro. Oh. Ugh. There are no words. Yeah. Is what is yeah. what, one of the no, things they yeah. said. And we like, know you don't want to hear them. Yeah. Yeah, it was emo as fuck. It was. Like, what the hell? It's like they all got a teddy bear after the after you know in the locker room, like just hug something. 2019, 2020 tickets go on sale next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll try again to be the best team in the regular season. And and I know you guys are giving Cooper a lot of shit. Um, with his reactions, and he just like a like a glass of room temperature milk, 
Just <laughs> five. This is a five alarm fire. Yeah. This is a five alarm fire. No, but he he he. Uh, his comments were all about the amount of parody in the league. That's what he. That was what his uh, post series press. Well, is he about. is his job safe? Come on. I mean, he was sixty two and twenty. What kind of parody can he talk about? I know. They exactly. were sixty two and twenty. It just blows my mind. I don't know. Yeah. They never lost more than two games in a row all season. They lost four straight. Four straight. All right, so uh, we'll move quickly on to um, the other sweep that happened. Explain yourself, Nesta. Just get us the fuck out of the way. Uh, Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins were swept by the New York Islanders. This is Pittsburgh's first round uh, sweep exit ever. Ever? Ever. Ever? I went through ever, and was ever, looking... Ever, ever, ever. And... Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh scored only six goals in the series. Gensel and Crosby had only one point each. Kessel had a goal and assist. Malkin had one goal to assist. That's just not going to fucking get it done. I mean, your, your top four guys that have led the team all year... We can add Hornquist in, into the mix there, too. Um, because he didn't have any any points in the series, and he was such a huge part of our cup-winning teams. I think um, the Islanders I deserve a lot of credit in this, absolutely. In this spot, though. Who knew when the team... For breaking the... The, the, the Penguins are champions. They're three-time champions, a lot of them. So there's something to be said for that, and I feel like the Islanders really broke them down and kind of broke the spirit of the Penguins in this series. And you can see by the end of those games, like late in the third period, it was just kind of, you know, Pittsburgh wanted to, but they just knew they couldn't. And it was just kind of a deflating thing. I think a lot of credit needs to be given to the Islanders and the way that they approached the series and the players for the way that they played. Yeah, absolutely. The organization went out and got the trots and everything turned around for that team. It was good. (laughs) And they lost Tavares. Tavares, right? He was free agency. Yeah, I mean, also, I think the star of the show for the New York Islanders is uh, Robin Leonard. Um, and, and what a great story that is. I mean, you want to talk about Tiger Woods and a redemption story. And, you know, again, self... Johnny doesn't. Self, <laughs> again, self-inflicted, you know. The, he's he, But he quit drinking, he got his life together, he got his head right, and now, you know, he's performing... Um, you know, at peak performance, and he 136 saves in the series. Uh, his save percentage 956, a goals against of 1.47. Uh, again, he's got a, a defense playing great in front of him. I was gonna say, that's didn't, was he amazing. was he the number one goalie goals against average for the season? Yes, he it, was right. It, okay. Well, it was a shared, him, and, him and Grice. Yeah, him and Grice. It okay, was shared. Right. They shared that. And then uh, I think Bishop was... Oh, no, Bennington took... You know what, Benning... I'm sorry, Bennington, even though he didn't have as many starts, he did have enough starts to qualify for the the number one spot. He Mm -hmm. he did. I saw that at the end. So he passed them. Leonard and Grice were second, and then I think Bishop was right after that for Dallas. Uh, Jordan Eberle uh, had a huge series as well. Four goals, two assists. Uh, Matthew Barzell was a plus six with five assists as well. Um, I mean, he was just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, what a great thing for this organization to look forward to. Matthew Barzell in his, uh, is it his second or third year, John? I can't remember. I don't, Barzell, I don't know the answer to that. I believe it's his second year. All I know is Josh Bailey's in his 11th year. 
That's all I know. <laughs> okay. That's I like him. I, I found out that I really like Josh Bailey as a player. That is fucking specific. Uh, and Blake also- scored a game <laughs> in goal. In game, I think he had the game in goal in game one. And, and, you know, he got interviewed after the game and I looked him up. And I, I like Josh Bailey. He seems like a good guy. That's all. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You'll have to forgive John. He has Dallas Stars Tourette's today. Uh, and Rightfully I, so. I imagine he'll be exclaiming as we start the third period 1 1. I almost scored. Let's go, Stars! Okay. Big issue that Marty pointed out in the series uh, penalties for the Penguins were just absolutely. Oh my God. Horrible. How did that not go in? Oof. Okay, it Off hit the, the post. post. But it, it looked like it was going into. Like, it didn't look like the trajectory was going in and then. A force field kept it out. Get your note card, Jenny. Is this your first time watching hockey? No. <laughs> it just, it just wait, amazes it just me how that. sometimes the puck doesn't He's, get in there. Johnny's that pulling for Ni- me in the stars. 19 penalties in four games. Uh, eight, eight and six between Horquist and Malkin. I mean, just undisciplined. Uh, Chris Letang was an absolute fucking disaster. Mm. Uh, pinching when he shouldn't. I mean, we, so when, when teams play the trap... A fast running gun team like the, the Pittsburgh Penguins needs to remain patient and not try and force it. They need to trust their their system and trust uh, that you know if they just play honest and they don't and they don't betray their defense that they can, they'll eventually get their shots and they'll eventually go in. And as soon as you start forcing it, you start making those those turnovers at the blue lines. And that's where you run into trouble, and that's where the the Islanders are going to score on the counter punch. They're just waiting for their spot. Right, they're exactly. They're so patient. Exactly. They will wait you out. Well, is it their mo to be less shots on goal, but just more goal efficiency? Barry Trotz, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's a frustrating situation. Like, it's not a pleasant um, format of hockey to watch. Right. But if it um, works, it works. But right. But if you you can put put it together, it's like Bill Parcells' football. Like, don't go anything big. Let's just punt it, put them back in their position, and let's let our defense win the game. Field position battles. Yeah. So exactly. if you if you also if you watch the games, you'd notice that um, every time the Penguins would score, they would like rally back and, and score almost immediately after. Uh, the Penguins scored. First in each uh, of the last three games, but only held the lead for a combined four minutes and 50 seconds. I mean, that's just... That's atrocious. Just not going to get it done. Right. So, that's about all I have to say about that for now. I mean, there's some ridiculous uh, comments made by Jim Rutherford about how this is the the best defense score that we've had in Pittsburgh since he's been there. Um how can you stand by that statement? Yeah, it's just a blatant lie. Well, well, I know they got penalty trouble, but and, and he's all he's he's also has to have assets to sell, right? Um, so I think that that's what we're seeing there is is just him not wanting to throw anybody under the bus because he's going to be you know trying to tout these guys right going forward. All right, uh, Johnny, you had some thoughts about how you wanted us to uh, to talk about the rest of the round one. Well, so it's either we can go out west or we can stay in the east because we already started. I mean, we started in the east. Why don't we just cover the other two east series? Sounds good. All right, so the other one that we just watched tonight was the Carolina Hurricanes, and we watched them take down the defending champ Washington Capitals and force a Game 7 
which will be Wednesday night back in Washington. And the Hurricanes won 5-2 to two tonight. I think we're all surprised by the level of fight that Carolina has shown. Uh, but we were talking, I think we were talking earlier at some point about how Carolina has come into this year and just... They've had a resiliency and some something about them, kind of an it factor to mm-hmm. them. And they made a key trade with Minnesota, bringing in... Captain? Tar- oh, Teravainen. Tara- Timo, what is it? Timo Teravainen? Sorry, Tara just hockey names. Hockey names are very difficult They're the worst, for aren't they? They are Not the worst. In my world. But yeah, and then I know that they have Justin Williams, who's Mr. Game 7, and he, but he was big in Game 5 and Game 6 for them. And um, so the the Capitals got up two games to none in that series, and we all thought it was uh, okay. Slam the door shut. The the Hurricanes just don't have what it takes to skate on the ice with these this this powerful force, the Capitals. Mm-hmm. But I'm impressed that they're just getting to a game seven. To me, that's almost a win in itself. And T.J. Oshie's injury it, oh, is yeah. is a Classical. massive massive yeah. loss. For the I think, defending champs. I think that's also what we saw a little bit in the in their uh, six nothing win in game five was just a big emotional response. Let's win one for TJ. So what do you think, game seven back in Washington? What do we think here? Can Carolina women on the road? Well, here's here's the thing. So far, no. <laughs> um, the the splits here, uh, home and away, they've won all three at home. They've lost all three away. Their goals in that. Um, and those splits are, are 12 and 5, and then goals allowed are 3 and 14. Ovechkin scored for his third straight game in this game tonight. Oh, as he's, well. a, he's a fucking monster. And got ripped away. Did, was that his goal that got taken back? Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. yeah and then so. how about the fight? The 19 year old kid for Carolina yeah, that so, stood up to Ovechkin last week. <laughs> Andre, and, uh, Andre, did you guys watch that? Yeah. Andre Svechnikov. Svechnikov. Oh, my God. Have you ever made a worse decision in your life? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, when he nodded his head, Ovechkin says to him, kid, are you sure you really want to do this? And then when you can see him do the nod, like, yep, that was it. That was it. And the punches, that he, like, he knocked him out cold. And the poor kid, I don't even know if he's alive still. Because he, <laughs> right. could, he couldn't get off the ice. His hands were shaking. Like, it was a scary scene. It was a scary scene. Yeah, so Don't so mess with Ovechkin. Svechnikov's brother uh, is, is in Europe, plays in Europe. And he put up a um, a tweet that that said uh, one two Freddy's coming for you, and he tagged Ovechkin in it. <laughs> so I don't know if there's some like Russian mob shit happening there. Oh wow! Or whatever, but yeah, hmm. who knows? I, but whatever, I'm sure Ovechkin's fine. He's Putin's boy. There's nobody's gonna fuck with him in Russia. No. Right. It just seemed like some He's comedic like interlude like in goon like you really want to come after me right now like that I'm nod, about like to just, oh no like, oh no show you my hand <laughs> so so before we talk about game 7 i i just want to go through some other things that happened uh in the series uh give some i want to shout out to uh, my boy Brooks Orpic uh for his uh game 2 overtime winner uh what a great thing for for a guy who goes in, uh, and gets traded away and Winds up, you know, they buy him out where he gets traded and he comes back, you know, for, for pennies on the dollar. He just wants to, to be in Washington and play for those those guys. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a little bit older. Uh, you know, stay-at-home defenseman doesn't score much. So uh, for him to get such a big goal, you know, he gets about one a year. And for, and for it to be a, uh, a Stanley Cup overtime winner uh, is pretty pretty cool. 
Um, obviously, we talked about uh, TJ Oshie's uh, broken collarbone uh, in Game 4. That was a nasty uh, dive into the boards that he took. Um, so one interesting thing about this series has been that the team that has scored the first goal has won all five games. But that uh, wasn't the case tonight. Wasn't the case? No, this is the first game in the series which the team scoring first lost. I'm pretty sure he's right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. Yep. Uh, Brett Connolly Hockey scored for knowledge. Washington. There you go, Marty. Good for you. Dude, I've watched a lot this past week. It was, you know, I'm and, there. And Peter Mrazek has really given the the, the Canes uh, a chance in this series. Uh, he stopped 48 of 49 shots in game four. Um with with getting torn up though, uh, six nothing, uh, and again these are these are numbers before tonight's game. He was at an eight ninety and a two eighty one goals against, and, and hope he's a machine. No fall off from last year. I mean he'll give you uh, as good a chance for my money. Braden Holpe, if I had to choose a goalie for to win me one game, going uh, I'm probably probably picking Braden Holpe if I'm doing my all star team. Uh, he's got a 923 and a 240 goals against. A little feel good story tonight. Did you see the opening uh, ceremony? I was kind of like, I was listening no. to the way in. Um, I don't know too much because you know the history around it, but Ford Eric Cole, um, who he cranked the ceremonial siren that sounds off before the Hurricanes games, mm-hmm. home games. I guess he's the one who uh, sustained the broken neck the year uh, Carolina won, 2006, when he took a hit by uh, Brooks Orpik. Oh, the guy who scored in game yeah, two. Yeah, so he yeah. Uh, signed off the siren uh, since that wow. broken neck happened. Wow. So maybe that got him going in the right direction for the game tonight. Little. Well, they're gonna little but, heartstring pull to get the team moving along. They're gonna need to figure it out for game for game seven. They gotta they gotta Justin win. Justin Williams helps. Justin Williams, I think, will help them. We'll see. So with the attitude, you know. Yeah, that's gonna be must gonna wa- take must watch television. All right. Uh, speaking of must-watch television, even though it is not easy to watch, <laughs> uh, the next series is the Boston Bruins against the Toronto Maple Leafs once again. Um, for the third time in the last couple of years, we have a Game 7 between the two, which will be played at the Garden in Boston. Um, we'll Bruins- be televised at Echo Restaurant in beautiful Brattleboro, Vermont tomorrow if you want to come join. <laughs> so the Bruins ended up winning 4-2 to two yesterday, Game 6 in Toronto. As Toronto was trying to close it out, I thought the Bruins played their, aside from Game 2 in Boston, game this Game 6 in Toronto. After the first few minutes, the first 10 minutes where Toronto came out flying and I was scared to death and was like, there's no way the Bruins can withstand this amount of heat and win this game. They turned it around. And the next 30 minutes, the Bruins completely owned the pace of play on the ice. And I think that they played exactly how they want to be playing in this series. Um, because in Game 2, it was all about being the physicality. Game 2 was the, the one with all the hits and DeBrusque and uh, and Kadri. And that was the one with the unsustainable pace of, of hits that, that you just can't you can't sustain that pace of, of hitting environment that they did in that game but you gotta so, admit they gotta be more efficient off the power when they get the power plays too right the Bruins the Bruins have been fantastic on the power play it's the only way they've been scoring they're almost they're just under 50% on the power play that's that's where they've been getting good okay. they've only scored eight goals in the other six games right. combined okay so their five on five play it's 11 goals for Toronto eight goals for the Bruins nice. it's the power play okay that's really helped out the Bruins all right so let me let me go to my notes here all right, so we've heard that 
Bacchus will not be in tomorrow night for Game 7. Um, that's big. It's um, Bacchus has a lot of experience. He's played in a lot of these types of games over the years. People were saying maybe he would be in for this game because you know he, he just knows the, the spots and where to go. But uh, it sounds like the Bruins are going to go with Car the young kid Carson Kuhlman, who played a very good game in Game 6. They're going to stick with him. Um, the other concern I have is Zidane O'Chara, who is a plus three in the series. If you've watched him play, holy cow, he's slow. And I know it's it's different when you play a fast team like Toronto because they make the slow guys look really slow. But it's like he's half the speed of everyone else. The poor guy, it's like, you know, he's 42 <laughs> years old. But it's like, oh, man, big guy, get to it, get to it. And so he plays on the same defensive pairing as Charlie McAvoy. And McAvoy is tremendous. He's the Bruins' number one guy defensively. But I feel yeah. like he's really had to pick up the slack for Zidane Chara in this series. Um, and, you know, the one good thing about Z is that he has been cleaning out the bodies around the net in this in the series and lately. Um, and that's the one thing he's got to do is take care of the bodies in front of the net because that's what Toronto's going to want to do. They're high-paced, high, high high-speed, fast energy, and they want to attack the zone. So you got to clear those bodies out in front of the net. And the, but the one thing is the speed. When when a puck gets loose in the in the opposing team zone and Zidane's is chaff, chasing after it, it's like, come on, and you 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 just see it on the ice on the TV screen, and it's like, oh man, it's like he's running in slow motion or in quicksand. So, but we'll see how it works out tomorrow for Zidane in Game Seven. Um, the other guy who came back in Game Five is Sean Corrali. Uh, he didn't have a great game Game Five Friday night when they lost at home. Um, but in Game 6, he was really good. He looked like the uh, impact player that he looked last year in his rookie season in the series. So if Corrales back to that form, look for him to have a big Game 7. He's always good for a um, for clutch goals and in key moments. Um, he's that type of guy that comes up big when you least expect it. Um, we did see Jakey DeBrusque get on the board for the first time in the series in Game 6. He had been quiet since Game 2 when the uh, the stuff went down with Nizam Kadri. And we thought you think maybe that, you know, all those hits and maybe they were in his head and he had to get off of social media because the all the Toronto fans were attacking him and his family. And so it was a tough time for DeBrusque. He was struggling offensively, uh, but he did get a beautiful pass from Krejci the other day on the uh, game six um, and scored a nice tip in for the third goal of the of the game. So now that DeBrusque is on the board, once the score gets unlocked, you think that Hopefully they're ready to continue. DeBrusque did score two goals in Game Seven against Toronto in the game last year. Mm -hmm. So and he scored Game Six. So hopefully he's ready to go. Um, Tory Krug, we saw him get a goal in Game Six. Um, he has struggled mightily defensively. Like he almost looks like he's lost in space on the ice in the uh, in the opposing team's zone. He's doing circles around the puck, and it's like, do you have uh, vertigo? <laughs> Honestly, it's so weird to watch these guys sometimes. It's like, what is going on? And then, of course, it leads to a turnover and a goal eventually. But he, uh, So the good thing about Krug is that he's a great offensive defenseman, and we saw him pop a, a goal in yesterday. And once again, he's a guy that had a, a big goal in Game 7 last year against Toronto. Uh, the guy that's been carrying the day for the Bruins lately has been Brad Marchand. He's just been money when it's the Bruins have needed it. He scored two goals yesterday in Game Six. Um, what a year he's had! He yeah, hundred goal scorer for the hundred point wow. scorer for the first time in his career, um, and just he doesn't. He's proved that he doesn't need those antics. He was. 
He's a much more cleaned up player this year where he didn't have all the sideshow Brad Marchand antics. Fucking yeah. licking people and, people, and he, people and maybe even he thought that he needed those antics to the be the edge. type of player to be he, the player he was. But he proved right. this year he didn't need it and he could still be a 100-point scorer. Um, so you know he'll show up in Game 7. The concern is Patrice Bergeron. And how can anyone talk negatively about Patrice Bergeron? Um, he's the Selkie Award finalist for the seventh or eighth straight straight year. He's a great player for the Bruins. He's going to be a Bruins Hall of Famer, if not NHL Hall of Famer one day. But I think he's playing hurt. We saw he only played 13 minutes um, of ice time on mm-hmm. in Game 5 in Boston on Friday when they lost. And he just hasn't had an impact. And it's either he's hurt or Tavares, the Tavares, and Tavares specifically, is shutting him down. Um, and the the faceoff percentage is down below fifty percent, which it can unheard happen. Of. What's that? It's unheard of. For it's him. unheard of for Patrice Bergeron. So we think that, oh, and it sucks because it does seem like a lot, a lot of years Patrice Bergeron en- ends the year with these injuries, and he doesn't tell anyone. And then he struggles in the playoffs. You hear about them later on, like a couple of years ago, he had the collapsed lung he was playing yeah. with. Um, so I think that he might be playing hurt and he's not telling anyone, but you know, it's game seven in the 2013 series. He came up with two big goals at the end of the game and in overtime to win it for them. All right. So in the last 21 games that the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Boston Bruins have played each other, the Bruins have won 11, the Maple Leafs have won 10, and there's a goal differential of Bruins by one. These teams are even. These teams are very even. Yeah. Okay. Um, Toronto hasn't won a Game 7 on the road since 1993. I think we all know they haven't won a playoff series since 2004. They're one of the all-time chokiest franchises. But my concern is that we've seen the Chicago Cubs win a World Series. We've seen the Philadelphia Eagles win a Super Bowl. We've seen Cleveland win a NBA Finals championship. Uh, We've seen teams that are, are cursed franchises break through in recent years. Okay? And... (laughs) <laughs> Toronto, Toronto's a cursed franchise. They are, and maybe maybe maybe, this is their time. maybe the waters have opened for them, and this is their time. Johnny, That's maybe this fear. is the Raptors' year, not the Maple Leafs. So I don't think hope. Toronto cares about the Raptors. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think they do either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we wrap up the Bruins talk, I just want to go over Bruins game seven history since 2011, when the year they won the cup. In 2011, round one, they beat Montreal at home four to three in overtime. That was um, Nathaniel Horton's Nate, uh, overtime winning goal. 2011 Eastern Conference Finals. They beat Tampa Bay at home, one to nothing, Game Seven. 2011 Stanley Cup Final. They went on the road. They beat Vancouver four to nothing, winning the Stanley Cup. And next year, 2012 Round One. They lost at home to Washington in Game Seven, two to one in overtime. Joel Ward scored the winning goal. Next year, 2013, round one, they beat Toronto at home, 5-4 to four in overtime. Patrice Bergeron scores the game winner. Bruins were down 4-1 to one in the third period against Toronto in that game. Scored three late, go- late goals, two goals that in the final minute game. and a half. And then Patrice Bergeron, a couple minutes in overtime, um, pulls through for the Bruins. In 2014, round two, they lost to Montreal at home in game seven, 3-1. And then last year, round one, they beat Toronto at home in game seven, 7-4. to four. Um, so we'll see what happens in this year's Game 7 with Toronto tomorrow I, night. I remember that 4-1 to one victory. I knew exactly where I was that night. I was bartending. Bar oh, was something. Bar was clearing out, thought it was over. Everyone thought it was over. Five, like five minutes to go, it was yeah. like 4-1. to one. Yeah. Before we move on, John, did you happen to see the um, Chara hit on Jake Muzzin? That was, that, was that yesterday? 
Yeah, I think so. I got. I actually got it pulled up right here. Yes. No. Uh, might be a bit high, and he definitely leaves his feet. Principal point of contact being the head. I have no idea how this isn't a huge. Like he punches him right in the face. Well, there was the goalie interference on Friday night that they didn't call, and they let the goal stand. So, makeup call. Makeup call. Or <laughs> no call to make up. Pre- that call. Preemptively. <laughs> preemptively made it. Yeah. Uh, All right. The, the the quote by the coach of the two for uh, for uh, Toronto was pretty funny too. After the loss, saying it's just his boys aren't because they played like one of that was their third day game the whole season. Yeah. Took oh really? Twelve, and they're like, we're just not. It's just not right to play a day game. We're just not a day game team. Well, the Bruins are usually a wet fart during the day. <laughs> they are. They, yeah, that's their wet fart any... game. Is the day games. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know how how you could justify having playoff games during the day i'm with you on that that just seems insane to me i mean i understand you have there are considerations with the arena and their their tv tv programming schedules yeah trying to fit four games in they want they want the ratings yeah well but yeah and the viewers but it but it that's they're trying to stagger all these things so the viewing is easier for all of us it does really change their routine though 100 percent. you know i mean hockey guys they're still drunk no, right. no. I mean, back no, they, in the day, yes, on. but not anymore. You think these guys don't get tuned up after the game. Pasternak, they're in pain. Broke his thumb because he was out drunk a couple months ago. I guarantee yeah. a lot of these guys are getting. That's. I'm sorry, we didn't talk about Pasternak. Where has he been? Where has he been? Show up tomorrow, Pasternak. Yeah, you're supposed to be the best offensive player on the ice, and you've been getting worked lately. So come on, put the booze down. <laughs> I mean, he's still he's still seventeenth in, in scoring. He's got two goals and four assists. That's not bad for, you know. Six yeah, but if games. you watch the games, he just you know, just not. He's just not setting not the producing. tone. Right. Hey, why guys can't see at home because it's this preview. You're gonna be recording you here tomorrow. But these two goalies in the third period right now for Dallas and Nashville, Bishop and Renee are like playing so well. All right. All right. Well, let's speaking of that, let's move out. Let's move over to the West now since we got the East. Uh, the East all settled. Where do you want to start? The big upset? Yeah. Yeah, we'll go uh, Colorado pulling it ag- out against the Flames, uh, winning the series 4-1. to one. Who we picked to be in the finals. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're the set, they're tied with the Bruins for the second most points in the NHL yeah. this year. Yeah. they seven points. I mean, Colorado's first line has just been... McKinnon is so fast. Yeah. I'm sorry, I mean... McKinnon, like, to me, he's... Uh, and, I think he's as fast as, as McDavid going through the zone. Absolutely. I do. Yeah. And I Rantanen. mean, their, their first line is is incredible. They're unstoppable. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog. Uh, in, in the last four games, uh, Calgary had won the first one. So in their last four games, that line scored more points, 21 points, than the entire Flames roster. Just the one line. Yeah, they were just steamrolling they they really were the flames. They, it's, it's almost like the flames didn't have a chance, and they looked outclassed. And, and that was the same thing with the Columbus Tampa Bay. It's like the number one seeds all of a sudden looking outclassed by the eight seeds. It's crazy. Yeah, this one was a little bit different though. This series um, because you know the flames started out so strong. I mean, they right. had that four nothing win. Well, the Tampa Bay started strong. They went three nothing in the first. Maybe that just gives gives the teams uh, false hope or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. But if you watch the play on the ice, I mean, the speed of Colorado, like especially the overtime game, I think it was uh, game, so it was ended at five, I think it was maybe game four, I think it had to be game four in Colorado. Mm-hmm. 
and it was late one night, and you you went into overtime, and it just looked like they were they were skating circles around the Calgary Flames, who are a, a highly skilled offensive team. So it was mm-hmm. so surprising to see how much time in the offensive zone they had, and they were just wearing them down. It was just one of those situations where, like, you knew that they were gonna score any time now, and then right, and then slams it home after he had the the game, the goal to tie it yeah. in, in that game four as well. McKinnon also had an overtime winner as well. Yeah, so Colorado, they looked out of nowhere. Here we go. Yeah, I mean that line is good, but how good can you? It's how far can you advance with the with the one single line? We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think I think uh, the stars just didn't show up for Calgary either. You know, uh, totally. Johnny Gaudreau only had one point. Sean Monahan mm-hmm. had uh, one goal, one assist. Uh, Matthew Kachuk only had one assist. Uh, Giordano, Giordano, excuse me, Jesus, had uh, two assists, and both of them were on the power play, and he was a minus three. Um, you know. I expected Mike Smith to be terrible, and he was, and he certainly wasn't great. Uh, but I don't think he's the reason they lost this series. I totally agree. I yeah, I agree with that sentiment. It was the, it was the the skill players. Yeah, they were they were skated circles around. On them. on the other hand, though, Philip Grubauer for Colorado coming over from Washington in, uh, with Orpic in, in that whole deal, and then Colorado buys him out. Orpic heads back to Washington. Uh, he was great in this series. Nine three nine. Uh, save percentage, uh, a one ninety goals against. Um, I mean, what a great story for this guy. To, to, <laughs> to watching you guys watch this is so funny. <laughs> it's, it's violent pace. <laughs> These guys are really going after each other. I mean, I think Dallas knows if they're going to win the series, they they need, they need this game at home. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> anyway, we're down to four minutes left in the third period. It's still one to one. And it's just like crazy. Said, it's crazy the, back and forth. It's been some nice NHL playoff hockey. Just what it's been so far this year. It's been great. Awesome. Calgary left themselves shorthanded twenty-five times. That was most of of any team so far in this postseason. Um, and uh, one more thing that I wanted to talk about uh, from this series is uh, rookie sensation Kale McCarr. Uh, John, yes. did you hear about this? Yes, kid? like the kid from uh, uh, UMass. UMass, right? Yeah, the, right. Uh, this nineteen year old, nice twenty, twenty year old, twenty year old. Yeah, this this year's Hobie Baker Award. That's like the the Heisman for college hockey. Oh, really? Nice. Yep. And he just uh, finished. Yeah, like he, yeah, you know, a so, week and a half ago, he was he was eating dinner in uh, in a dining hall. Well, they didn't. Wasn't UMass in the college final? The Frozen Four. Frozen yeah, Four. They yeah. lost uh, to. Minnesota or something. I don't know. It's not, it's not coming. <laughs> you guys are talking. It, I look at that. I, re- I read it earlier today, but it's not coming. Um, Johnny, he's the first defenseman ever to score uh, his first goal uh, in a playoff game, in a Stanley Cup playoff game. Wow. And it was uh, on his first shot. Sco- score his first goal in his first game. Yeah. I and have it, be, it, have it be a playoff I got the, the alerts. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So it's Makar. That's how you say it. I think so. Kale okay. Makar, Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, that's what I said. Minnesota. Look at you. Look at me knowing my college hockey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So come a long way as a college hockey person this year. Who's next? All right. So do we want to talk about the series that's over, or do we want to talk about who the Avalanche will play next? 
We've, uh, that's the way we've been going is what's over. Okay. Right. So what's over is the Blues beat the Winnipeg Jets in another... This one's a mi- kind of a milder upset. Um, but Winnipeg had home ice. The Blues came on and won four games to two, um, eliminating the Jets, um, I'd say, behind the strong net minding of Jordan Bennington. Yeah, absolutely. The Blues were the are the only expansion-era team ever to go from having the worst record at any point in January... To winning a playoff series, so it's just incredible. They've been on an insane run. Bennington said he wanted to be a difference maker in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and so far so good. Um, I thought when the Jets won those two games to to make it a little bit of a series because the Blues won the first two games at Winnipeg, and then the Winnipeg won their two games at St. Louis. That I thought, okay, Winnipeg's going to straighten this out now and mm-hmm. pull it out because the, the final. Two of three, we're going to be in Winnipeg and you know that crazy arena, but nope. Uh, Blues prevail four four games to two. Winnipeg, they just they just couldn't get going offensively, and you know I thought you know Bennington and St. Louis is came up clutch when they needed to come up clutch with big goals late. Yeah, there's there's a moment in um, hmm, was it game five? Yeah, it must have been game five where uh, you can hear the Winnipeg crowd start to chant. Are you nervous, or something like that, <laughs> or get, you're getting nervous? I can't remember exactly what it getting is. Getting nervous. Yeah, but some something about something about nerves, uh, and you just really saw saw Bennington lock it down from that point on, and uh, he's got something. Yeah, it, and he's he had that great quote from the from the beginning of the well, not the beginning of the year, but when he first started, uh, and they're saying, you know. Um, are, are you feeling nervous out there? And he just like looks over. He's like, "Do I look nervous?" He's got that stone cold look on his face. You know, it's that kid that I'm. I'm. I locked in, focused. Like, like nobody. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna get. Minor. You're not gonna get to me. You're not gonna break me down. <laughs> not stoned yeah. cold right. like uh, Braden Holpe. It looks like he just roasted a fat blunt like before he went out. Firing in the frontal lobe. <laughs> There is something to be said about a rookie netminder embracing this kind of challenge and putting a team on his back, like like the Blues who came. I got to nowhere. You know, it's just it's it's impressive. Now they're in the second round of the playoffs, and they're going to be facing the winner of the game we're watching right now, this Stars Predators series, in which the Stars are up three games to two. Call me what's up. Uh, do you want to Mar- give us the Marty breakdown of the Stars Pred series so far? Stars. I mean, this has been fun to watch right here, right now, for Uh-oh. sure. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Power play for Nashville. Not good. With 153 He's to go in the third period. Call. I didn't see what happened right there. If he took him down. Blake Como doesn't like it. I can see it on his face. Well, he gets wrapped up with him right here on the drag. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, questionable call there. Especially to make in a game six with uh, these team seasons on the line here. Right. Well, Saturday night, you know, Stars put the Predators back against the wall uh, going into this series tonight, trying to win. Um, it, it's crazy to think Look that... the power play for Nashville this series. 0 for, 0 for 11, 11 and 0 for 3 tonight. They're 0 for 14 on the power play this series. Let's hope they don't break through now. Right. Just keep That's playing. actually a scary scary set stat right. to see at this point. Because they're going to break through eventually. They're due. We're due. It's crazy to think if they lose to that Predators because that'd be what three division winners uh, with the Flames and Tampa Bay that go down. If you look at the odds, I went back and looked at the odds for the Stanley Cup Final. 
and all the teams at the top, the favorites, are gone. And all the teams at the very bottom, like the very bottom, like Colorado with the longest odds, St. Louis, all these teams are advancing. Columbus, it's crazy. Right. Dallas. What are you talking about? I mean, this series has been like what Bish has been doing right in the goal and what has and what Renee has not been doing right in the goal. I mean, that 5-1 game where he gets pulled, um, you know, this guy, game four on Wednesday, he yielded four goals on eight shots and a 5-1 setback. I mean, that was huge for this team, and that's what they've been li- living by, right? It's his goal play, mm-hmm. Nesto. He's, he's, he's been great all year. Like I said, he, he has was like been the good. fourth he's, best goaltender all year. He's the he's regular season warrior, though, and a, uh, and a postseason. Good point. Because yeah, he was Tampa, Tampa Bay before. Right. And like what they said, the challenge for Nashville, you know, is for this what they call the Jofa line with uh, Arvidsson and Johansson and Forsberg. You know, the line has just two goals and four points in the series. I don't know what they're really doing tonight. I haven't seen the stats. But Not after much. combining for 76 of 162, respectfully, during the regular season. So this that line's been held at bay. So that's been been what's been really working against them and working for the Dallas Stars. Uh, you know, I've watched the last couple, couple of games, and uh, I, Stars are fast. They, they skate well with this team. Yeah, I'm surprised. This I this is a series that I haven't seen many of the games. It's actually the first game that I'm seeing I'm seeing of this series tonight. This has always been another game on that I've wanted to see more than this. And Dallas has just come on and surprised the hell out of me. Right, and Bishop in this, he, he was a finalist this year, guys. Vesna Trophy finalist this For year. For sure, yeah. Um, 159 of 170 shots. He's he's turned aside, uh, including 59 of 63 uh, to split a pair of decisions in Dallas as well. So he's been doing his job, especially in this last period as well. These guys have been defending the goal well. Um, Radulov scored twice in the second period in Saturday's victory, double his series goal total while uh, Sagan and uh, Jamie Benn have been really good. They've been recording multi-performance, uh, multi-point performances as well. So uh, it just seems like uh, the Stars have really stepped up in this series and been, been playing well. Is that – I was – Kind of in the moment right there. They finish out the third period. We're headed to OT. Woohoo! All right. All yeah, right. I, you know, I want to give a lot of credit to Ben Bishop. Uh, ever since he got hurt in 2016 and ultimately wound up losing his job to Andre Vasilevsky, you know, he's really, really struggled. Uh, wasn't great in St. Louis, had a short stint in Ottawa. And, um, you know, I, it's nice to see that he's found a home here in Dallas. And it's nice to see for Dallas them get some reliable goaltending. You know, they, they were trying to get by with the likes of Kari Lettinen and, and Antony Emi for a while. And it just wasn't, uh, you know, you had all the, you, I, you hate to see wasted talent. Guys like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. You know, not get to do anything or go anywhere or play meaningful games just because you have some schlub letting in uh, muffins. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, good for the stars. I'm definitely pulling for them tonight. My buddy, JB Dominguez, you're looking. If they win this series, send me a Bishop jersey. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big stars fan. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice. I'm, I'm actually, you know, like I said, I was house sitting, so I had a lot of time to kill and I watched a lot of the series, watched a lot of the Bruins, so. And I've, I've always personally liked NHL hockey, especially come playoff time. I think it's just a whole different level of play. The energy 
it's pretty fun to watch. So I, I'm all in for these the rest of these playoffs. And the sure. games are always they all for the most part are always close and go down to right. the very end. It's rare that you see the NBA like the NBA. You see a 20, 25, 30 point blowout in these right. playoff games, and you can see that even through all through the playoffs. Like the Warriors sometimes steam through the entire league, and it's like, okay, where's the drama? Where's the suspense in this? But NHL is providing tons of drama and suspense this year Absolutely. and shocking upsets. So if you want to be entertained and have no idea what's, what to expect, watch NHL, NHL playoffs this year. I, I posed the question to you guys earlier this week because I, I don't know NHL history, but has there ever been when both one seats have been knocked out going into the playoffs in the first round? I don't know. Not in the expansion era. In the expansion era, yeah. It just seems crazy to me, and that these guys go down tonight. Yeah, definitely. You know, all, all three of these division winners, you know, with yep. their back, you know, the, and then if the Bruins down. lose tomorrow night, like, yeah. So we could be looking at in the West. We could be looking at Dallas against the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche against I don't know the Sharks and the Knights are both good, but three of those four teams like you would never expect. And in the East, you could have the Blue Jackets playing Maple Leafs, with Maple Leafs are good, but they never advance, so you could have Blue Jackets, Maple Leafs, and then you can have the Islanders, maybe against the Hurricanes. Could you imagine that final eight? That's that, that's pretty whacked. <laughs> Alright, let's get into the Sharks Night series. I've watched quite a bit of this series. It looked like it was over when the Knights took a 3-1 to series lead after Game 4 at home, uh, but yet the Sharks, mostly behind uh, Thomas Hurdle, and some uh, strong play on the defensive end have come through. Uh, they pulled out an OT game in Game Six. Double at, OT. Uh, double OT. Right. That game went just wouldn't end. It kept 90, going. Ninety-one minutes. Seventeen. And everyone seconds. was looking a little slow. And it was a shorthanded goal by Tom, Thomas Hurdle, who said after Game Five, "We'll be back here in Game Seven in San Jose mm-hmm. because we're the better team and we're going to win the series." And he so he had scored two goals in game fives at home, and then he goes on the road, scores the game winner in double OT, to prove it. And here we go. Um, you know, the Sharks, the maybe the comeback kids over the Vegas, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Flurry led it. That goal by Hurdle, that was kind of a weak goal, and you knew Flurry was pissed at himself. That he's like, how could I let that that go in? He That's, needed to make that save yeah. there. He knew it. That's what yeah. happens when you're. When you're uh, playing for 91 minutes straight. I Didn't mean, you push for this to go seven-game series? Yeah. When we predicted with the Knights winning? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah I was going a little bit for the Sharks, but yeah. he has the Knights. Um, so game seven is going to be in San Jose tomorrow night, 10 o'clock. We'll see what happens. Um, early on in the series, the Knights look like the way better team. Like the way better team. And now suddenly the Sharks have life and maybe the Knights are questioning themselves. I, I don't know. But. So I think what happened and part of the re- also part of the reason why uh, Mark let up that softy is uh, Martin Jones was absolutely spectacular. Yes. In game he has six. turned it on because he was getting pulled yeah, yeah, early I mean, on in the series. He stopped uh, 58 shots. Yeah. And while the Sharks only generated 29 shots on goal. So, you know, uh, the Flower wasn't seeing a lot of action, and that's a long game. And, you know, you really get out of your rhythm when you are you basically play a game and a half and you only see, you know, 30 shots in that time. That's that's tough to stay in it. Yeah. Um, 
You're and the other thing is, Kane isn't taking these insane penalties. So for the first three three games, he had over 18 minutes in penalty minutes. Evander Kane. I don't know what he was thinking. But he was just a stupid penalty after stupid penalty, game after game after game, putting San Jose at a disadvantage over and over and over again. And like, I'm like, what is this guy doing? Is this guy like have mental issues? Yes, he does. Right? <laughs> yeah. He does. Uh, clearly, he does. Uh, he went after Zidane Char and got his ass kicked a few months ago. Um, but he's not not taking those penalties anymore. And yeah, so, I don't know, San Jose so, just seems to have figured something out. So Martin Jones is not uh, hasn't been as bad as I thought he was going to be. Well, he uh, was bad. He, he was, was bad. bad. I'm not saying he was good, but not as bad as I thought he was going to be. They're staying in it a little bit. He's got a 906 save percentage, uh, 323 goals against. Not great, not terrible. Um, Mark Stone for the Knights is leading the postseason altogether with six goals and four assists. No doubt he will add to that uh, in Game 7. Max Pacioretty. Yeah, he's four, been great. Four goals, six assists. Uh, I don't like him. Carlson has seven assists. I don't like Max Pacioretty, do you? Max, Max Pacioretty, he's all right. I don't like him. I don't like, like his face. Like, well, because he... Why? Because he used to be the captain for Montreal? I think that has something to do with it. I've, but I saw his face and when I watched the games, I don't like your face. <laughs> well, you bother me. If you lean on history, you gotta you gotta like Fleury because he's won the last two Game 7s. He started the Stanley Cup Final against Detroit in 2009 and at Washington in 2017. So Yeah. Okay, but I think I, I, I saw like that. that San Jose seven and four in their history of Game Seven. So. Are they? So they're both leaning on a little bit of their own history. So uh, you mentioned um, Kane's penalties. A lot of that was from uh, his altercation uh, with Ryan Reeves. And did you catch any of that? Is that? I don't think so. No. So so first of all, uh, Ryan Reeves and Patrick Kane have an awesome fight. It Wait, was, Evander Kane. It, what, who did I say? Patrick, Patrick Kane. Kane. Oh, sorry, Evander Kane. I just have Kane written down, right, so okay. you know how you know how that is. It's like writing down Rodriguez when you're when you're doing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so they had a fucking awesome banger. Uh, I can't remember which game it was. It was either game two or three. It had to be early on because definitely most of the games since. Yeah. And uh, it was two. they just trade, they're just trading punches, punching each other in the face. And then uh, Ryan Reeves puts Kane on the ice. And um, it was really funny because uh, Kane on his fight with Reeves, uh, quote, for the so-called toughest guy in the league, I don't know if he landed a punch. I, at times I thought I was fighting the Muffin Man. I didn't <laughs> expect that. I expected more of a battle. And wow. So... First of all, Ryan Reeves goes and changes his Twitter handle or his like Twitter profile picture to the a picture man. of the Muffin Man, <laughs> like a children's book thing. And then um, I don't know if you happen to see Joe Thornton's uh, high hit on uh, Nosick. No. Nope. Wound up getting a one-game suspension for it, and um, you know Thornton had said something like you know he didn't see him or you know it was uh, a, a mental error or whatever and Ryan Reeves comment on it was quote I've got a buddy with a grandpa who's going through the same thing <laughs> he can't see very well because he's getting old needs glasses if he gets suspended he's going to have a hard time seeing from the press box <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, so that's another thing. For San Jose, this could be a rallying cry for them because it might be Joey T's last year. He hasn't announced his retirement yet, but he's been in the league since the first overall pick of 1997's draft with the Bruins. So they, everyone's think, assuming that this is his last run. So yeah, maybe do one last time for Joe. So Kane responded to that. To chirp Jumbo's vision, the guy has over a 1,000 uh, assists. That doesn't seem too bright. Reeves, you know, they're just like going back and forth with this stuff. And then finally, um, he says, uh, the Muffin Man comment, right? After I think what everybody saw, how easy it was to handle him, I think he lost a little bit of his allure in terms of toughness. And then he says, uh, but Reeves comes back. He gets 10 feet tall when I'm not on the ice. And when I'm out there, he doesn't seem to do much. That's how he's been every time I've played in my career. I didn't expect it to stop. And then he responded, um, or Kane responded by saying, he looked pretty short to me when he hit the ice at the end of the game. He wasn't much more than a foot tall. For a guy who plays three and a half to four minutes a night, he sure does a lot of talking. I think he thinks it's the WWE. I think he's probably going to end up there pretty soon with the way his game looks. I think he's got another year left on his deal. I'm sure Vince McMahon will be giving him a call pretty soon. A lot of of jaw talking, huh? That's Mm -hmm. Kane. Oh, yeah. Kane never shuts up. (laughs) And it's so funny. That's why I miss. He's getting getting into it with Ryan Reeves. And Ryan Reeves is loving it because that that's his job. That's his right. job to get a thirty goal scorer in the penalty box for ten or for five minutes. And Kane does not look like well, early, especially early on, it clearly wasn't helping his team. He was hurting his team when he was on the ice or whether he was in the penalty box. He was he was a he's a highly priced high priced guy for them, and you know he signed a big deal with them, and he's hurting the team. He was hurt, clearly hurting the team more than any other player I've seen so far in this year's playoffs so far. So, I mean, I, th- I think he's turned that around a little bit. But, yeah, he was hurting the team. All right. So the NHL is doing um, second chance brackets. <laughs> let's, let's fucking give ourselves a clean slate. Everybody oh, really? everybody in the world gets a clean slate on their NHL bracket because so, round one's been so, so totally so fucked the up. GMSR as well. But wait, well, we're not done with round one yet. Who'd we, who'd we forget? No, no, like, we're not done with all the series. It's, no, I know, I know, but, like... So we'll, we're starting now. We'll, we'll, call the, we'll call the game sevens. All right, that just gives us more of a chance to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or be right. Yeah, but, but ser- um, the second round will be well underway by the time we get together again. Are we going to so time to cover cricket tonight? <laughs> we may have to push cricket again. Yeah, thank God, I just wrote Patel down. Patel. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we starting, Johnny? Um, go out west. Let's do uh, Sharks Knights. We have the Knights, so stick with the Knights. Yep. Um, Knights Avalanche. Mm. Knights have home ice. Uh, I gotta go with the Knights here. I think they're a little bit more well balanced, uh, and the Avalanche only having the one scoring line. That's got to catch up to them eventually. I think. I feel and I feel like the Flames just really were a letdown, mm-hmm. more so than any, I think that was the biggest factor for the Avalanche advancing was the Flames were a no show. Yeah. Um, okay, so then moving on to the next round, so we have to call this Stars Predators. Stars lead the series three to two. It's going into overtime, game six. 
What do we got? We had picked the Predators, but stars, I think now we would take the Stars. Stars at home, yeah. All right, so Stars are going to win an OT, we say. And they're going to play uh, Bennington and his Blues. Uh, Blues will have home ice. Sorry, Marty. I, I, I think St. Louis takes this. They're on a roll. Uh, they're hot. Bennington's so they got a lot. head, right? Bennington's got a lot of confidence. You don't think Bishop can hold the hold the net, hold the goal, protect this team? He's been playing yeah, well. Such strange series, right? St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado, Vegas. It's so weird. All right, so well, we're going last Blues. Series, last series win for Dallas was at home in 2008 against San Jose. Yes, yeah, right. For a lot of these teams, it's been a long time. Right, it's like a long Just time. A That's why out. this is like crazy. Wow. Yeah, I mean they're. They're, they're, for me, they're overperforming yeah. right now. And I think this is great for them. This is great for their fan base. For sure. And, and this is go, going to... Really good for Bishop. Right, exactly. Really good for Bishop. Um, if they if they can indeed pull this out. Um, but I just don't see them... Carrying that in against St. Louis, if that's the case. Right. <sighs> that's fair. Johnny, you got an opinion on it? Flip a coin. What do I know? Um, <laughs> I mean, go with the hot goaltender, but Bishop's hot too. Um, I'll go St. Louis. Okay. St. Louis has been one of the best teams in the NHL since Bennington became a goalie um, halfway through the year. So, Say St. Louis in seven? Sure, St. Louis in seven. What, oh. what about the Knights? What do we want to call the Knights in? Against the Avs? Mm-hmm. Six? And they have home ice. Great. I don't know. Yeah, six is fine. <laughs> it's just you see, the, I know the the, the the road teams do win a lot in these NHL playoffs, but sometimes I wonder how because you look at the way some of these fan bases are and how crazy they get and they stand the whole game. They're, it's just raucous, the music, the cheer. It's just it seems like an overwhelming environment for an opposing team to play in. And I, for me, I never want to take the opposing team in, the, in a home team's arena because it just seems like the home team has such an advantage. But I right. know I know the truth. Well, I mean, also in in hockey, the home team is afforded the last right. change. Absolutely. So there's there's a tactical a, edge, right? Say that again. I didn't know that. So, so when when you put when you, line. yeah when you put your lineups out yeah. the visiting team has to put their lineup out first so if you got a matchup that you're doing you can gotcha. get that matchup oh I, you, didn't, I never you can get that, that matchup off okay. the draw learn something every day yeah Thanks, GMSR wow so, wow <laughs> okay so um, we have so we have the Blues and the Vegas Knights the Knights will have home ice. Yeah, I think this is where the fairy tale ends. Um, at this point, um, that's a lot, a lot of games. In I a don't short want to see the time. Vegas Knights again. That was last year's story. Yeah, I just, I think if we're if we're analyzing it, um, the same way we analyzed our bracket last week. <laughs> Logically, yes. <laughs> Logically, you guys both. Logically, yes. <laughs> You guys want to put either the Pins against Calgary or the Bruins? Yeah. Bruins makes more sense now, but our logical heads show. don't work. Yeah. <laughs> the Pens didn't show up yeah. at all, so no. very true. Yeah, what? You, I mean, go ahead and take take the Knights. That's fine. All That's right. All right, let's move to the East. Oh. So. All right, so I'm going to go out on a limb based on home ice advantage in this series and say the, the Capitals will win Game 7 at home over the 
good story, good feel-good Hurricanes, and move on to play the Islanders. Um, Capitals will have home ice. Do you get to disagree with that statement? Anyone? No, no. No, okay. So we have the Capitals moving on. Islanders at the Capitals. Rooting for the Hurricanes, though. Absolutely. Well, um, of course you are, because that'll provide uh, path of least resistance for your Bruins. Washington, like, Washington is the... Um, is is a is a problem for the Bruins. The Bruins don't beat Washington. Yeah. Ever. Holtby especially. Okay, so... But they did in the last game they played. They they took them out in, the, in Washington on Super Bowl Sunday. They beat them 4-1, to one, played really well. Um, so that may have provided them something. But before that, I think it was like 13 straight games Washington had beaten the Bruins. Hmm. All right, so Islanders at the Capitals. How do you guys see this playing out? Does uh, Trotz's system with the Islanders play farewell against the Capitals in this series? Um, yes, except for the Capitals are a little more aggressive, a little more physical team. They can muck it up a little bit more, and I, th- I don't think they'll be as desperate to um, you know, make those stress- stretch passes and pinch the D. Um, you know, they have... They have uh, Carlson, um, but that's really their only offensive-minded defenseman. You know that that's not really their game. Do you think they, o- they, Oshie they, being out catches up to them eventually? I do think it catches up to them eventually, but I has to, right? Yeah, it's I, too it, good not to. It could be. It could be in this round. It really just depends if the Islanders can play as suffocating. Um, as they have been, I think they can with especially without Oshi. I think they can pull it out in six or seven. Um, I just have a really really difficult time um, picking against Holtby. I th- I just think he's so dialed in and he's so good, uh, and I think he can really frustrate. But until last year, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Until last year, Washington was all always a a choking, underachieving team. But I guess once you break no. through, you break through. So Right, and then you meet your potential. Yeah. Okay. Uh, especially Holtby. Uh, and th- but then again, Robin Leonard is a hockey player we've never seen before, you know, now that he's clean and, and has his head straight. so And they've got a good D system, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a pick'em, but I gotta give the edge to the Washington. Well, sure. I had to give everyone. I think everyone would favor Washington. So, logical heads prevail and say Washington. Yeah, we're setting up to be wrong again because we're we're going logically. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're just setting ourselves up for more. Like, uh, okay, well, we should be like, I like this color better. I like him more. <laughs> <laughs> like, we weren't so logical with NBA though. We went with just kind of impulse. Yeah, well, like that, I think we took the wrong approach. In the NBA, the upsets don't, don't happen. happen. Yeah. In the NHL, NHL they, do they do happen. happen. So you know what I mean? So, we we went know, backwards on our thing on our right. on our things. Drop your pants and be brave. Show me what you got right now, Johnny. So I'm picking Toronto to beat the Bruins. Are you? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that shocked me. I'm like, what? Yeah, I we, worry about the ice though. I've been hearing about the ice in Boston and. You know, everyone's saying even. Uh, Is it because of the Matt Duchesne? The I thought I, I wondered about that, but they're saying it, it's with the warm weather and the temperature heating up. Um, 
Yeah, but that's every year, wouldn't it? It's Maybe. every year. Yeah. It's every year. But I, so I think it might have something to do with the, the, the hardwood and the changing. Change the mean, changing with the NBA because, court. I mean, that's like... But they're saying, so Brad Marsham is like, we may as well roll a, a fucking tennis ball out and just play with a tennis ball because the, the puck's bouncing everywhere. Right. And you, if you saw the last two Bruins home games, they couldn't connect on well, any, any of their any passes. Pass, they couldn't yeah. connect any passes. Yeah, but both, both teams, both teams are, are playing are, on that ice. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it just makes for... Um, right it makes for a, um, a crazy ba- a crazy thing happening yeah, it's more likely some, yeah instead of like instead of good play, passing it's just made right. a fluke that's exactly just change the game good play leading to slamming the board so I mean I, I'm obviously I'm biased want the Bruins to win um what do you guys think I um I, I think the Bruins will win yeah the Leafs have looked like the better team for most of the I would, series. I would not be surprised if they were. I think uh, I think Johnny T's got to get involved though. If they if they expect he hasn't to win. been. Right. He hasn't been. Matthews has been really good, scoring five goals. But uh, yeah, they've Tavares has been shut down. Or maybe maybe Bergeron and and uh, they've kind of canceled each other. Can't, right, cancel yeah. each other out. Let's go Bruins, baby. All right, okay. so then Let's we get, get all the these Bruins teams out of this thing. Bruins playing the Blue Jackets. Um, like I said in a previous podcast, the weird scheduling quirk, the Bruins played the Blue Jackets three times in the final month of the regular season. They beat them two out of three times. Um, so is the, this the new... There's that. It, it was the new Blue it Jackets. Was the new Blue it was, was yeah. yeah. It was the, and the new ones. And I think the extra rest is going to hurt Columbus. I w- yeah, I wonder about that too. Because they're coming off... You know, they, they've been playing playoff hockey for... But Torts scares me. He's a for two fan. months now. Torts is... He scares me. They've been playing playoff ho- hockey since the trade deadline when they, you know, sold the farm and... It will have been like 10 days since they last played because it's April 16th was their last game. Yeah. All right, so what are we going with? Blue Jackets, Bruins. Uh, I like I like the Bruins here. I think all of the emotional energy is gone. They had a big release. They're, you know, winning against they Columbus... They blew their load. Yeah, winning against Columbus was their Super Tampa. Bowl. Tampa. Or, what the fuck? Tampa. Sorry. They beat Tampa. Columbus beat Tampa. Right. Right. And the Bruins will have home. So now, if the Bruins advance, they have home ice to the rest of the playoffs as far as they go because they're the highest remaining seed with 107 points. Um, so we got the Bruins going against Washington. Shit. <laughs> You're like, fuck logic. Maybe it'll go seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, Wash. no. If it was seven, I mean, Boston. Then Washington probably beats Bruins in six. Yeah. But we had the Bruins in our original bracket, so I'll stay with that. There you go. But no, if we're redoing it, yeah, if Washington plays Boston. Washington probably beats them in six. I would agree to that. Right. Okay, so then we have Washington against Vegas, and that's a rematch. What is wrong with us? I love it. It's it's why are we, we're Chalk City in a sport that's no chalk. It's oh eight. <laughs> hey, oh eight oh nine. All State over Cleveland again. this year, so that's a nice reprieve. I know. Oh, what is wrong with it's us? It's oh eight oh nine all over again. Is it though? Is this, look at how crazy the sport's been, and we're too, we're going chalk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's not exciting for you, Johnny, but yeah. So, let's go. So, let's go Vegas here. I like it. All right. You all like right. Vegas. Yeah, I, I, like mean, it, I feel man. like we have to. Like, come on. Let's That'd be the craziest two-year run for a team for the for the Golden Knights to not only get there last year just out of nowhere, and then come back and turn around and win it again this I mean, not again but win it this year. Wow. 
All right. All right. So we're taking the Vegas Golden Knights as our champion. What? what in, in what the, a party they'll have in Vegas. Sin City. In the redemption bracket. Oh my right. God, that'd be amazing. All right. All right. That's hockey talk. Okay. Johnny, uh, we, go, we going to Cowboys Patriots this year? Um. Yeah. Maybe. The tickets are going to be really expensive. But right. yeah, that's America's team. NFL schedules out. The NFL NFL draft is this Thursday. Everyone has assumed that Kyler Murray would be the number one pick. But now we're hearing whispers that they may not take Kyler Murray at number number one for Arizona. So we, we will see. Um, I'm sure there'll be some surprises for, in the draft. For a different quarterback? No, not no, no quarterback at no all. Quarterback Stick with Rosen. Maybe they're just not. Maybe they're just leaking this info out though because they're not getting the deal that they want for Rosen, which I think could be the case because all they have on the table right now is a second rounder for Rosen. Maybe they're just. I, I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe one of the teams, the Giants. The Chargers, the Patriots, who want Rosen, and the highest pick, the highest trade offer that's on the table is a second round pick. Maybe the Cardinals are saying, "Oh, we're maybe we're not going to take Kyler Murray now. We're going to go with someone else and keep Rosen to make one of those three teams panic right. and see how much they really like Rosen and step up their offer." Yeah. You know, they te- all teams do this in the NFL. They play all these um, tricks before the draft, during the draft, so. The game within the game. The game within the game. So we'll, we'll see. All right, Johnny, we're uh, we're burning the midnight oil here. So let's get your power ten and All let's right. get the power fuck ten. We have a new number here. one this week. The L.A. Dodgers have had a good week. They moved up eight spots from last week's poll. Um, they are the number one team. Tampa Bay Rays, fresh off getting swept by our Boston Red Sox, remain in the two spot. Number three, moving up four spots to the three-hole, is the Minnesota Twins. Um, and then number four, down one spot, is the Seattle Mariners. You just down to one spot? Yep. I thought they'd slide. In. Oh, they, well, they bounced back after that, yeah. that rough stretch against the Astros. They've come back strong. They're playing well again. All right, number five, Ernesto, pay attention. The Ooh. Pittsburgh Pirates, new to the top ten list, are now the number five team. They have the best record in the major leagues at 12-6. and six. It is early, but still, got to give jump, Nesto, That's a leap. Got to give the Pirates some credit for being twelve and six. Um, number six, the Houston Astros are down five spots. They've had a little bit of a, a slump here, um, especially against uh, Texas. Uh, number seven, St. Louis Cardinals are up one spot. Number eight, Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper are down two spots. Number nine, the Cleveland Indians are new to the top ten pool this week. Um, Frankie Lindor is back, and um, that should help get that team on track. And number 10, I'm going to stick with my Padres, even though they're down six spots in my top 10. They're down to number 10. Um, the Padres, that's it. There's my MLB Power 10 for Monday, April 22nd. And that is it. 2019, you heard it here. <laughs> All right. Well, I was really hoping that... Uh... Somebody would score here before we were done. Yeah, exactly. There was a really nice flurry in the offensive zone. Yeah, for... I'm kind of glad. It's uh, I'm going to cuss. I just, I just want to let loose now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was a little bit of a long one. Uh, but it's there's playoffs, lots... man. It's going to be long. Just there's, stick with us. There's lots to cover. All right, guys. Love you a long time. Find us on the interwebs. You know where to do it. Uh, all right. See you later.